Hey, welcome back to Point Blank. This is it, episode number 50. Nobody thought we'd make it past five. Can't explain it. Uh, if you don't follow us already, you can get us on Instagram at Point Blank Pod, on Facebook at Point Blank Pod, and um, we're going to be streaming out live on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and Twitch. It's been a great episode. Joining us, as usual, from the West Coast, some would call it the best coast. He's strong like a bomb, quick like a comet. Who is that? Mo Youssef. Thank you, my friend. You kind of set you up to say Muhammad, but that's okay. Um, coming to us from the hills of Clarendon, just outside Chicago. Todd Sullivan. Man, that beard's looking something fierce. But our original bearded member coming to us from his kitchen with his wife overlooking him and painting behind him. Who is that? This is Mike Zapsic. How you doing? And my my wife, the Land of Lakes girl. <laughs> well, listen, she got taken off the butter uh, package, and she got she had to go somewhere. She had to come to my house. That's damn straight. Before we get to the man holy it all together, we have to give some props. Our special guest this week, and this week is a very very special guest, uh, also coming to us, but from an undisclosed location. Who's that, folks? <laughs> my bunker. It's my bunker. <laughs> You got. You can't be too careful. Hi, how you doing, Ross Marquand here? <laughs> Ross, happy to have you, man. Thanks for having me. Hope uh, when this is all over, they, they they let you go from wherever they have you. But the man keeping it all held together. Who is that? Ming Chen, what's up, everybody? What's up, Ming Chen? Ming Chen, done, buddy. Your your voice is starting to crack. All right. <laughs> Quarantine puberty. Thank you. We, we have an international audience for tonight's episode. It's true. And this part, you know, I'm not making this up. And Ross, this is next to you. Fan groups of yours from Italy, from Spain, from Brazil, from Belgium. I don't know if you knew you had fans in Belgium. You do. I do. They've uh, they've all contacted us. They told us no matter what time it is over there, and I think Italy is probably the latest of those I mentioned. Uh, they said they're staying up to watch us live. So, oh, amazing! So thanks. Shout out to uh, Laura Kerr just jumping in. Says it's one forty-five a.m. here in the UK, but I'm determined to stay as long awake as long wow. as I can. We should be done by about five a.m. your time. Laura's amazing. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Thanks, uh, listen, before we get started, uh, Mo. That, I, don't, I don't know how you do it. it. It's just week in and week out without fail. You're just amazing, amazing with these predictions. And uh, I've got to give you credit because this is not something where usually I think you have a lot of knowledge. I'm talking, of course, about Star Wars. Um, but last week you said after all the news about Rosario Dawson coming to the Mandalorian, you said – just wait, you're going to hear something New Zealand related. And sure enough, Tim Morrison was announced to be coming back, but back to a role he's never played. He's going to be playing an adult Boba Fett. Um, you know, obviously you had to get a little help from Mike Cancy on this one for how Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc pit. But well, how did you know this was going to happen? Did you run into John Favreau again? Talk, tell us, talk us through it. It's crazy. Boba Fett lives, you know, everybody said, everybody saw the, uh, you know his his demise when he uh, when he got his head cut off apparently in the in the Sarlacc pit. Uh, but um, I was actually on Venice Boulevard getting a you know getting an illegal haircut when John Favreau did, did walk in. I knew it. <laughs> he laid a little uh, knowledge, but he I, I have to say this he was not doing anything illegal. So 
No, I was really one. Okay, yeah, yeah, you don't want to throw him under the bus because then he may not be a source for you in the future. Must, yeah, yeah. Full disclosure: he actually gave Mo his haircut. <laughs> oh wow! I hope you tipped him well. A man's talented. If he gave you this tip, I hope you gave him a tip back. Uh, look at this beauty right here. Look at that. Wow. Uh, it, right, right there after our guest. Look at that. Yeah. Um, well, Mo, listen, you were right on that, but we are going to get right into breaking news. And there's a lot of breaking news. Um, uh, I think what we'll start off with is actually some more Star Wars breaking news because you kind of led the way right there. Uh, I don't know if there's any Battlestar Galactica fans out there. Uh, it was a tremendous series. It's actually held up, uh, especially if you stop watching about midway through season three. Oh, look at that handsome devil. Hey. I, I thought I thought Ross and Todd were their twins, but it looks like Ming and Ross are their twins yeah. uh, with a very tasteful head. But as we were saying, from Battlestar Galactica's uh, gender-bent Starbuck, Katie Sackhoff, she is, uh, she's for many years on both series, both Disney animated series, both Rebels and Clone Wars. She uh, she played the uh, Mandalorian warrior Bo-Katan. And um, it's, a you know, it's uh, not a huge role. Okay, Mike, right, this is this is some party here, folks. This has never happened before. Woo! Six Ross Perfect. <laughs> wow. All right. We, we, owe, we owe a few people here to make this happen. But anyway, Katie Sackhoff, who played the role in both animated series, is returning to the role as a live action version in The Mandalorian. She's already joining uh, Rosario Dawson, as we just said. A major, major hints dropped the past week by Dave Filoni that two other animated characters, uh, fan favorites, Sabine Wren, another Mandalorian, and Captain Rex. Uh, would be perhaps making their live action debuts as whatever episode of the Mandalorian season two, this is, is likely to serve as a backdoor sequel to a rebels series, but it'll be a live action series. Uh, so actually it's possible that Mo's good friend and former point blank guest Tamora Morrison might be pulling double duty as both Boba Fett and captain Rex. So uh, any take on this, uh, obviously a lot of exciting star Wars news in the past week. I I got a text. Uh, well, I, I want to I want to text someone about this real quick, but I want to hear your thoughts. Well, listen, after this is this is super breaking news. I, I I'm pretty excited about this. I didn't see uh, the four season show of um, of Rebels uh, until I got Disney Plus, and until I was stuck in a in a, a endless quarantine. And and then after that, I I blew through the entire series. Clone Wars. I saw it. You know, ten years ago. Took a multi year break. Uh, it just you know, they came up with a season seven. We spoke about it last week. It just ended. Super powerful, unbelievable next level animation. Uh, I'm very into these two things now. And hearing that all these characters are going to be appearing live uh, with some real, you know, um, mix of, of star power. Obviously, Rosario Dawson, who's who's been a, an actress across the view of skew films in the MCU. And now um, and now in the Star Wars universe. Katie Sackhoff with some real genre cred. She voiced the character for years, but of course, as I said, she was on Battlestar Galactica. Uh, very, very excited about this. Um, I can tell you that there's a lot of people that are really getting excited at the idea of it spinning off. And actually, I'll give you one other further bit of news that kind of just came out today, is they said, don't expect a lot of Boba Fett in season two, but he's going to move up to almost main cast level in season three. 
So, uh, yeah, I know. All right, Ming, what's your take? Well, so this is a two-year setup just to get a whole Boba Fett series. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, those are the magic words right there. It's almost like, uh, you know, Lucasfilm or whatever. uh, They're making up for the last trilogy, perhaps. Or this is what fans want to see. Uh, Ashoka, Boba Fett, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Katie Sackhoff's character, all these characters we were waiting to see. They're cramming them all in the season two. And then if they're moving Boba Fett, you know, they're going to call it the Boba Fett show in season three and these spinoffs. It's like they're making right all these wrongs that they, that uh, that have gone on since, I guess, 99, since The Phantom Menace. So, um, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's it's going to be tough to top season one. Season one, The Mandalorian, is the one thing so good, man. that I, uh, Star Wars fans, obviously divisive and sometimes hostile. Did not hear one bad word about that series from any of them. So that's right? a miracle. That's a miracle. Absolutely. Now, Mike, you're usually able to say bad words about anything. What did you? What was your take there on the Mandalorian oh, the Man- season one or this news on season two? Oh, the Mandalorian was fantastic in season one, and um, my my whole problem with bringing Boba Fett into this is this: it's the Wolverine syndrome. Huh. The only reason why Boba Fett is so popular because they didn't they didn't showcase him they didn't right. give you a lot he's a man of mystery so if you you pull out the whole james howlett and uh you know shot off into space it's gonna they could ruin the cat you mean when they made wolverine be simultaneously on the x-men x-force the avengers the dark avengers the great lakes avengers and, uh, and the ultimates that i had no problem with that that i could see his his mutant power was multitasking we know that but when they they actually showed his origin yeah oh oh it took away the mystery yeah yes the the uh the Paul in, in the titled origin yes it was yeah <laughs> way to go marvel um it it sucked it was a cash grab mm. we didn't need it so i, I hear what you're saying I, 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 I will say i will say this just getting back and I do agree with you there, but getting back, taking it way back, because I can't believe how many years ago it was now, when Todd and I were working at Marvel in the sales department, very recently, the then writer, Peter David, had left the sales department to go over to do uh, writing full time. He was writing The Hulk at the time. Uh, tremendous run, by the way. Yeah. And um, and um, he then started writing the reboot of, uh, well, the the the. W- 1.5 of X Factor. X-Factor, that was right. really cool. But in any event, it was at that time that the sales department was getting into a lot of heat with editorial. We were up on 12. They were down on 10 because uh, I can remember being in a specific meeting. They are like, guys, sales doesn't write the books. And then they were like, well, we should be. They're like, We need more Wolverine and everything you've got because you put him on a cover, that moves product. So uh, I hear what you're saying uh, on Boba Fett. Now, uh, Ross, I gotta ask: Do you have any love for the Star Wars universe? Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. I mean, Ming's laughing because he knows how much of a Star Wars nerd I am. Um, there were there were a few franchises that like really shaped me as a kid: Marvel, Star Wars, Next Generation, mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek: Next Generation, of course, and then um, Batman the Animated Series. I thought you meant Degrassi the Next Generation, but I yeah, Degrassi, yeah, of course, of course. Oh, Drake's finest hour. Um, but uh, now nah, I, I just, I mean, especially Star Wars and and uh, and Marvel. I mean, Marvel was my favorite 
because that was mine. My, my brothers weren't super into it, but Star Wars was our whole family. Like, um, we all watched every single one of those movies. Probably, a, I, I think I've seen the first three, four, five, and six like a thousand right. times. Right. Easily, yeah. um, you, you were raised right. Okay, good. I was. I was. <laughs> Some might say not so right, but uh, we were raised in front of the TV for sure. And uh, I'm glad I was because, like, that beta. We still have that Betamax of all of four, five, and six. And shout out for Betamax. Betamax was so much better than VHS. The quality was so much better. And I, I really, I really wish I could locate those because that, uh, the original ones without any of the extra stuff, that was the best. Uh, Ming, if we can pull up our good friend, Gary McCray, he has a comment there talking about Mace Windu. And he, uh, he's, uh, he's asking, you know, can Mace get some love? So Gary, it's funny you mentioned that we weren't going to bring it up, but um, but it was actually I think it was yesterday or the day before Samuel L. Jackson, uh, who, who I just watched last night in an excellent performance uh, once again in A Time to Kill, but he came out yesterday and said he def- definitely believes that Mace Windu is still alive. Um, he said, look, you know, there's kind of three ways that he could have killed me there. You know, cut my arm off. He's like, what Jedi hasn't lost a limb? Right. He's like, oh, he hit me with foresight. And he goes, come on. He goes, so I'm a little deformed. You know, everyone could survive that. He goes, you see how much uh, uh, Luke got hit with the Return of the Jedi? So the last thing was, well, it's that big fall. Yeah, he fell pretty far. <laughs> and he's like, and, and so this is now, you know, obviously this is Samuel L. talking. I don't think Lucasfilm or Disney has uh, made any comment yet. He's like, look, Jedi can jump from any height and land from any height. He's like, halfway down, he got his bearings, and I'm pretty sure he landed okay. He's like, so he was hiding after Order 66, and, and he goes, when are you guys going to bring me back? So that's what Samuel L. said. And so there you go, Gary. Go ahead, Mike, because you look incredulous right now. If if he was hiding all that time, who wants him back? That's, yeah, he didn't even come out like Wedge at the end of uh, exactly. Skywalker. Yeah. No, you, you coward! I don't want you back. Get out of here! I don't care what your wallet says. He was coming up with one arm. You know, give the guy a break. All right, well, listen, we're gonna we're gonna get away from Star Wars for one second and get into the world of Marvel. Or I should say the new world of Marvel, because it's a former Fox property now being integrated in. Uh, yes, long awaited, the definitive, almost as long as waiting for the Ross Brewery grand opening. New Mutants will be dropping in the theaters this August. And uh, it begs the question, if you release a movie in a theater and nobody goes, is it the quarantine's fault? Because they're actually releasing the same version from the 2017 test screening that everyone didn't like. They had to go back and redo it. No, that's the version they're releasing. Ming, what, what do you think about that? Wait, of what, of what movie? Oh, oh, New, Mutants. New Mutants. New Mutants. So this is going to be um, uh, Game of Thrones' Maisie Williams playing Wolf Spain. It's going to be um, the kid from Stranger Things, whose name I can't recall, playing uh, playing Sam uh, Guthrie, a.k.a. Cannonball. Um, it's going to have um, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy playing Colossus's little sister, uh, Ileana, a.k.a. Magic. So uh, it looked like a, a pretty good cast. It, it certainly was a different take. They were trying to go for some of the Walt – uh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, oh, Walt Simonson. Uh, who, who am I? Who am I trying to say, Mike? Oh, um, uh, yeah. Who? Bob McLeod? No, 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 no. Uh, oh, not Simonson or 
Billy from, D. Williams from the from the Spirit Bear uh, saga. Oh, uh, Bill Sinkowitz. There we go. Thank you, Bill Sinkowitz. Yes, they're trying to channel a lot of that energy. Uh, they're you know they're having a Mirage character and I think a Karma character as well. I, I could be wrong. So uh, it was supposed to be a different take on superhero movies, a horror take. Um, and uh, for whatever reason, people didn't like that test screening. But for whatever other reason, we're going to get to see it. So cool. make head. Yeah. So, yeah. So this movie was done nearly three years ago. Uh, I went through a disastrous test screening. They spend, I don't know what, like 40 million or got some ungodly sum to reshoot most of it, then sat on it some more, then postponed it some more. Hmm. Then they were going to release it. Then the quarantine hit. Then it was going to go direct to, uh, you know, whatever, direct to home the home market so now they're releasing it in theaters and they're going back to the 2017 version that so they basically wasted a bunch of money oh, unless yeah. they're going to put that version out on dvd i guess and three years yeah and three years and um i mean value of money yeah and uh you know typically when they delay and postpone a movie this long uh it typically doesn't turn out that well i don't think they're sitting on a masterpiece on their hands here uh but uh will i go see it of course you know what are your thoughts bro i mean look at look at dark phoenix you know basically the same thing happened there and look how good that movie was uh, uh right. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> now, 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 Ross. I mean, I mean, you know, Ming really hit it on the head, and uh, you know, a lot of what the audience didn't like back then, they're not going to like now. Um, but it's a story that hasn't been told already, and, and I think it's going to pick up some new, um, gonna pick up some new viewers because you know, you have a, a Scottish mutant, you have a Russian mutant, you have a. A Native American mutant. I mean, there's a, there's a lot happening right there, and the element of getting scared. I mean, really, really scared in the, in the movie. I think a lot of, that appeals to a lot of people. Yeah, I'm just hoping. Honestly, I'm just hoping that the movie theaters are are open by the time this thing comes out. Uh, I mean, listen, it, it's funny. It's, I agree. It's so weird that they announced and we're yeah. definitely releasing in theaters. What if there's no theaters to release it to? Ross, that you're part of the MCU. This is actually going to represent the first film from Fox that's going to retroactively be part of the MCU. Uh, did you have any news about this? Any take? Anything you want to share? Can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> NDAs are a bitch, right, Ross? NDA City. There's, there's something wrong with this video conference. <laughs> <laughs> the agents of Shield are watching. <laughs> Shield are watching. Uh, always watching. I'm I'm just excited. I mean, like I like like Ming said, like I'll watch whatever. Because I mean, you know, you, you talked about X-Men Origins uh with Wolverine and and that origin story uh, what was specifically with uh, Lady Deathstrike and, and Master Shinju? No, what's it, what was his name? Uh, what was his, What was the master that trained Logan in Japan? Ooh, wow. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, that was one of my favorite stories. Was that, it, was that in? But did they do that theatrically in James Mangold's The Wolverine? They kind. They tried to. I mean, like, yeah. I, think they did, I think they did a decent job actually, because that for me, like, that was one of the most compelling stories. Because mm. Logan, like, really, he was dealing with a lot. Obviously, you know, and and he tried to calm his nerves through the teachings of this incredible teacher, who ended up being, of course, corrupt. And I just, as a kid, I remember reading that when I was like 12 and it, it, it blew my mind. It was so, it was such a compelling story. And I, that was one of my favorite Wolverine stories of all time. And 
that and, and Omega Red. Yeah. I cannot believe they have not done an Omega Red saga yet. You know, like Omega Red to me is one of the greatest villains in the MCU. And I have no, I mean, Sabretooth is cool. Fine. I, I know that he's Wolverine's arch nemesis, but like Omega Red to me was the greatest villain to, to Wolverine. I, I just, I love the two. Well, and they did not do him any justice. They did give him a, 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 a you can almost call it an extended cameo in uh Brett Ratner's, um, uh, X3, right? X3, yeah, which the character also bore literally no resemblance None. to the comic character whatsoever. Yeah. And I mean, the adamantium tentacles and everything, like you have to, I don't know, I just, if you're going to do Omega Red, do it right, you know? Did you did you not see Iron Man 3? That was their homage to Omega <laughs> Red. Two, two. They even cast Mickey Rourke, for God's sake. Two, 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 two. Yeah. I'm the world's number one Iron Man 2 fan, and I don't think there's any competition. That was um, uh, the one with Guy Pierce, right? Uh, well, that was three. That was three. That was three. Yeah. That was three. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, that was, you know, they had some great freaking actors in the Iron Man movie. My God. Oh, yeah. Jeff Bridges, Guy Pierce, uh, uh, Sir Ben Kingsley, like Sam Rockwell. Sam oh my God! Rockwell. Sam Rockwell steals every scene he's in. Yeah. He is amazing. You know what a smarmy piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's worth if you could track it down. It's only about uh, six or seven minutes long, but the Marvel one shot from the Blu-ray with Ben Kingsley and Sam Rockwell, where they're both in jail after the events of Iron Man three, and uh, and they come into contact with actually real members of, of the Mandarin's Ten Rings organization. Oh. Uh, and they're trying to say, can they figure out a way to retcon the upcoming uh, 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 Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings film to to, to fit in with that one shot as well, which mm-hmm. knowing Kevin and what they're doing at Marvel, I, I have confidence they'll be able to do that. On that note, John Garaveglia saying, isn't Omega Red supposed to be in the new Shang-Chi movie? Uh, and or what? the Falcon Winter Soldier? I don't know. I, I, I didn't hear any of this. Mo, I didn't hear Mo, any of confirmation, Mo. Yeah, Mo, what do you got? Can, can you plug into your network? <laughs> yeah, right now. <laughs> this, is, this is new even for me, man. That would we'll be get another haircut, Mo. Well, I was so pissed when I didn't get a chance. I heard about Taskmaster being in. Yeah, Black Widow. Yeah. Like, Taskmaster is made for me. I, yeah. I'm. You know, like you I, make I, anything there, yeah. And I would, but I'm still holding out hope for Moon Knight. That's my, that's yeah. my, oh, that'd be awesome. Man. Yeah, they're, 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 listen, I, we were clearly pulling for you, but uh, if the internet's to be believed, and it never is, you've uh, you've got some pretty stiff competition, right? The rumor mill was saying, uh, who's that? Mr. Mandalorian, Pedro Pascual. Uh, uh, we heard him, and we heard um, uh, Daniel Radcliffe of uh, of, Har- of Harry Potter fame was oh, yeah. uh, was uh, trying to throw his hat into the ring. Nice. So uh, if it's Pedro, I think you've got him. He, he's a, he's a little guy. You could take. No, him. <laughs> that, but I mean, I just I, I'm just excited because Moon Knight is my favorite. I mean, Wolverine and Moon Knight are my two yeah. favorites. Uh, Ross, I'm sorry. I think you should be uh, Reed Richards. Oh, I'm really? Like- that really wow. yeah john and uh john krakowski i know he's like lobbying for it hard i think you would be a much better you come across here, here's here's my my pitch for you uh reed richards is the smartest man in the marvel universe and you come across as an intelligent guy 
Thanks. John Krakowski, I can I can only see him uh, making those smug faces in the office. That's all yeah, I see. Like, oh. Almost as good as John Krasinski. John, well, John, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was thinking of Jane Krakowski. Sorry. The role of Mo Youssef in tonight's performance will be played by Mike Zapsik. Let me knock my uh, my Mac off my counter here. No, no, careful, careful. Yeah. 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 The circle is complete. Yes, John, uh, John, whatever. As uh, Reed Richards would be a really interesting take. I think that Ross would, would uh, kick his ass. Well, well, I, think part, I think part of Ross's abilities, he can probably play – Almost anyone convincingly. I would really like to. Do you guys remember Slapstick? Yeah, man. Oh, my God. Yes. I, I I know no one gives a shit about Slapstick, but like Slapstick to me as a kid was one of my favorite characters. And I don't know if there's a there maybe just in an animated world. Well, I, I could see that as a Disney Plus uh, animated series yeah. within the continuity, something that you could slay for sure. Yeah. Um, so actually, uh, Ming, if you could bring up our good friend Laura Kerr's comment. Because we need to know exactly how drunk. Uh, actually, I would, I would go two up from that, Mick. Two up. How drunk do we have to get Ross before he comments that his Red Skull could be returning in the Falcon and Winter Soldier series? Oh. That's what Laura is asking here. Why don't you send him a keg, John? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Well, Laura, we certainly love to see that, and, and it could make sense. Uh, although, according to my sources, it was very recently at AwesomeCon online, of course, where Ross did say that perhaps there's a chance for the Red Skull to come back. I mean, who knows? There's different multiverses that exist now, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that that's on the record, but of course, that's purely speculative, Ross. Yeah, no, I, I, I my my own, my point when I said that was just that any of these characters could come back. I mean, I think that when when we've when Doc Strange established oh, yeah. a million different threads, of course, uh, and different multiverses now there's certain timelines where you know uh red skull is certainly free because in the first you know in infinity war once the soul stone goes to thanos now much like uh atlas you know the the way wow okay oh i can go anywhere in the russo i don't have to stay here anymore Precisely. So there is a world. I, I was just saying, like, there's a world where all of these characters can come back. Black Widow, everyone who passed away, all of the villains. There's there's different multiverses and different timelines where all of these characters are still existing, which I thought was pretty cool. That's all. I'd like, I like to see Rene Russo's uh, Frigga come back. That's just me. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, it was a tease that we got, of course, in uh, during the time heist segment. But um, uh, what is real quick to the last bit of breaking news? We talked about New Mutants, where something that was supposed to come out a long time ago got delayed. I'm going to give you the opposite take here, and it's something a little bit happier. A movie that was supposed to be released on October 15th of next year, 2021, is actually being released July 3rd this year, more than a year earlier, on Disney+. Plus. I'm talking about Lin-Manuel Miranda's Hamilton, uh, uh, you know, film version of the Broadway show. Uh, you know, we were lucky. I was able to get the lovely Suzanne and uh, John Ross, the intern, and Kara, take them up to the city to see that show. Uh, but this will be with the original Broadway cast. They were doing a theatrical version. Uh, I can tell you that the excitement level is beyond in this particular household. And it just makes me wonder then if the original date was supposed to be October 15, 2021. 
are they doing less post-production work to get it on the air now? Or was it all just about maybe hitting a particular release date on the calendar next year? But uh, in any event, certainly happy that it's coming. Any other musical fans out here? I've, I've never seen it, but I've heard it's amazing. I'm excited to see it on Disney+. Plus. That's awesome. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, listen, you'll be seeing it with the original cast as well. You know, you've got uh, really, 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 really some breakout stars there. Uh, uh, David Diggs, uh, he, uh, he plays a dual role. And uh, on a couple episodes ago, I gave a, a point-blank pick of a movie that he wrote and starred in, uh, set out in uh, in California called uh, Blind Spotting. He's in that. Leslie Odom Jr., of course, played Aaron Burr. He's gone on to do great things. And, uh, and uh, from uh, Todd and I's high school, Lin-Manuel Miranda, former Hunter alum, uh, you know, making making the school proud, not quite as proud as we are every week on Point Blank, but um, but proud nonetheless. Yeah, I think I think it's a can't miss move for them. I think part of it may stem from um, his In the Heights, I think, was meant to be released this summer, getting delayed till next year. So maybe they were balancing Hamilton in that. And the Hamilton, obviously, it's already shot. All the all the footage for that is in the can. So uh, pulling that up. I think the Disney Plus release versus a theatrical release is actually a great move. I mean, who, what family won't throw that on over the Fourth of July weekend? Uh, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna clean up. I think it's a, it's a really strong move for them. I think people are gonna be watching, watching all over, and it's just one more reason to sign up for uh, for Disney Plus for people if you haven't already. Now, is this is this uh, the you said was it was a tape version of the live performance or is it? No, they filmed they filmed the original cast when it was in the live run. Right, so yeah. it's like a professionally shot um, film of the play. Uh, it's, it's, it's more of a concert performance. And that's, I'm sorry. Uh, so it's not going to be like, for example, when they reunited the original cast of Rent to do the film. Unless I'm mistaken, I'm, 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 I'm 95% sure that's what it is, that it's that it's a okay. film version of the original run versus a recreation. And in that wrong. case, then, then the logic holds for them why they'd be able to release it so early because they don't have to do all this post-production work. Exactly. I, I think that's the case. Anyone in the comments, correct me if uh, if I'm wrong. Mo, again, talk to your sources, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. <laughs> um. All right, listen, and lastly, breaking sports news. There is none because sports continues to not exist. So let's get on to our next point. Uh, Susie, uh, the, the lovely Suzanne chiming in, my favorite word, correct. There nice, you go. Nice. Uh, She's an authority. Point two, things we will not be talking about tonight. Things we will not be talking about tonight. Two men in L.A., rumored not to be named Ross Marquand and Muhammad Youssef, broke a Target employee's arm for being told to wear masks in the store. <laughs> and so this is just so stupid. This will be things we will not be talking about tonight. Next point, craft beer. Guys, take a second to talk about what we're drinking. Uh, this is the first time I'm enjoying a beer that is 100 perfect rated on both Beer Advocate and Rate Beer. This is the world-famous Heady Topper from The Alchemist in Vermont. Um you can't get this outside of Vermont and certainly, uh, you know, not outside the greater New England region. How do I have it? Because specifically because of the quarantine with their brewery not being able to be open, they've got all this beer. So they're distributing it right now for a limited time, hopefully a limited time, in a, in a little bit wider net. So it didn't make its way into New York and into New Jersey, uh, both the Heady Topper and the Focal Banger. Uh, they are uh, pure examples 
of the any IPA, the Northeast or New England IPA style, hazy, juicy, hoppy. Uh, it says right on here, I don't know if you can see that, drink from the can. Drink from the can. So I'm not doing that, but, um, but you're supposed to do that because they say – well, you're getting all of the effervescence, uh, all, 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 all of the spirit of the hops. And while that's certainly true, it's really honestly no more so true than for any other double IPA, including our own Navisink IPA. That said, this thing is in a class of its own for this style of beer. And it's not a style that we've marketed commercially yet. We have some things internally. We at Ross have not put any Northeast IPAs out yet. Uh, but for this style... Uh, this rivals for me Treehouse as the best that I've ever had. Wow. So uh, this is really, really, really good. Uh, I'm enjoying it now. Over the limited time, I'll be able to have it. Anyone else having a beer tonight? I um just real quick. I was given a heady topper. Um, I was not in Vermont. I visited Two Roads Brewing in Connecticut, mm-hmm. uh, near Bridgeport, I think. Yep. And uh, uh, they gave me a private tour, and at the end. Uh, they just started loading me up with beers, and that was one of them. So that was very. And they started loading up with beers that they don't even make. Yeah, from other brewers. Yeah, cause, just because they love beers so much. Um, you know, I got some two roads, but um, they're like, "Here, you got to try this." And I'm like, "Drink from the can." They're like, "Drink it from the can." So I love you know. You don't follow the rules. You uh, you define the rules. I, no other- I don't know what to say. Number one know. rule on Point Blank Podcast: There are no rules. No other beer does it say drink specifically from the can. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know if it improves the flavor or not, but it's pretty damn good. So it's good marketing for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, is great. What are you drinking now? I'm talking, uh, I dug this up. This is called scoops. Uh, there are skulls. It's an ice cream sundae. Um, and this is courtesy of the, uh, heavy seas brewery, uh, in Maryland. Yeah. There's a collaboration with a place called 15 barrel, uh, brew house. Those I don't know. Heavy seas. I'm very familiar with. Yeah. It's a, uh, combining the flavors of chocolate and vanilla scoops is a milkshake IPA with an indulgent twist. So yeah, probably loads of chocolate and vanilla. Yeah. It's like, um, it's a boozy milkshake in a can, I guess <laughs> combined with an IPA. Uh, this is a uh, courtesy of my friend who works at a heavy seas and, um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, introduce me. I'd like to be friends with that person too. Especially I ice cream beer. Yeah. Alcoholism and diabetes in a can, man. Nice. It, it, it literally sounds like it was custom made for me. I don't know what else to say. Uh, Ross, what are you enjoying tonight? I got a Lagunitas IPA. Uh, oh, there we go. From uh, Petaluma, California in Chicago, Illinois. Oh, yeah. The toddy over there. Uh, yeah, I, you know, listen, I, I've, I've been drinking this for a long time. I love these guys and, uh, they're, they got a real good deal at Costco and I'm all about that. So, so when you yeah. went to Costco, you had your mask on. Of course. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Well, a buddy of mine, uh, I used to live out in San Francisco, working in an ad agency and a uh, buddy of mine who was a copywriter there. Shout out to Fred Abercrombie. Oh, he yeah. lived up in, up in Petaluma, uh, Petaluma, California. Uh, not down, not far from the uh, from the brewery, and he used to just stop in and hang out. And as they were expanding, uh, he asked, you know, do you guys need any help? He started doing some writing for them. Eventually, left Ogilvy, went working for them full time, helped oversee right. part right. of the uh, the opening of the the huge uh, facility they have here in Chicago. And uh, yeah, they're they're real good people, and uh, he's a good he's a good man. So. What, what, what do you say? You're going to leave Facebook and come on at Ross Brewing full time? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. One thing I'll say about that beer, Ross. You know, uh, love Lagunitas IPA. I mentioned this before we came on the air. Whenever I have to go to Paris for work, 
for whatever reason, Lagunitas has done a great job making inroads in Paris. They're everywhere. I love it there. Lagunitas, uh, I frequently cite it, that, that beer you're drinking specifically, the Lagunitas IPA, as one of the four um, main inspirations at Ross Brewing for our flagship IPA, our Navistink IPA. Uh, you guys, uh, uh, well, some of you had it more recently. Ross probably had it back at the launch party in December. Um, you know, to us, obviously, look, I'm a big beer fan. I love New England IPAs. It's what's very popular right now. There you that go. Fine. You, got, you got one there. You got the autograph version. Okay. We're uh, big money collector's there. item. Um, but – but for me, I didn't want to go that direction for what's popular right right now. I wanted something that, to me anyway, felt a little bit more eternal, uh, which was this West Coast IPA. So for, I was looking to try, kind of reverse engineer a Lagunitas, a Ballast Point, a Stone, a Green Flash. For me, those were the classic examples of the West Coast IPA style. I started drinking when I was in my 20s, and you know, I, I, we opened our first – craft beer bar and sold these kind of beers and now that we've opened the brewery you know this was the kind of beer that that really inspired us and the best compliment we can ever get and we do get this compliment sometimes believe it or not i, I still have a hard time believing it and it's a real pinch me type of moment is when people say oh that 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 your beer that reminds me of a, of a Lagunitas or that reminds me of a Ballast Point Sculpin or a or or a Stone Ruination something like that or a Green Flash IPA, and it's crazy crazy to ever be mentioned that you can remind someone of something like that. But you drinking that right now, uh, very very warm memories. Right. Um, Todd, what are you drinking, buddy? Uh, well, first shout out to uh, Adrian Patrick throwing some love to New Glarus in oh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Uh, yeah. You guys need to try some Spotted Cow. Yeah, Adrian, I've been through the entire lineup that New Glarus has to offer. They don't make a bad beer. Uh, I th I'm pretty sure I've thrown a couple of theirs in, in previous episodes. So, yeah, big love to the Wisconsin beers. I've got myself one. This is, again, uh, courtesy of, of, of Tavor, uh, which I've talked about in the past. Cra craft brewing, you know, mail order service. They, they feature up some really good stuff from all around the country. This is, um, this is called It's Tiki Time. Starting yeah, off on the tonight. No. So this is from this is from Westbrook Westbrook Brewing Company in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Get your freaky tiki on with this tropical spiced pineapple, passion fruit, and guava smoothie sour. So I, I like a good sour. Um, I thought I'd start off a little bit lighter. This is a, this is an easy five percent. I could drink ten of these right now. Um, I'll try not to. And uh, yeah, it's really good, really good, tasty. Mike, I'm curious. Normally. You're not a big beer drinker to the point of none, actually. But I knew you had an interesting glass tonight, and I want to know what you were drinking, buddy. Uh, oh, what am I? I'm drinking out of my Ross glass. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm actually drinking an AHA. Uh, it is a black cherry and coffee mix seltzer. Okay. Uh, uh, very tasty. It, it'd make a nice mixer for, I don't know, Everclear and AHA. AHA. Uh, yours. Everclear and AHA tonight. AHA does one of my favorite James Bond songs of all time. Absolutely. Of course they did. <laughs> Living, Living Daylights, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, Great. Well, well, you, the James Bond soundtrack. Yes. Take on me. Out, buddy. What do you got over there, Momo? Well, yeah. Well, we are T minus one hour and 30 minutes before I could drink anything. So, uh, oh, we're still in the Ramadan rules. I hear you, brother. Forward to it. Oh, right. Right, buddy. Yeah, let's hurry. Let's Shout hurry that we'll down, down beyond, in the background. Let's hurry that down into the ground. All right, let's 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 move on to our next segment here. 
And uh, we're going to play the first of our games. Uh, this is a game we like to call Upon Further Review. Upon Further Review. Todd, well, we've got a lot of new viewers tonight and a lot of new listeners. Take us through the rules one more time, and let's play, and let's get uh, Ross involved here. It's going to be fun. Go for it, brother. You got it. All right, I am going to uh, read off. So Upon Further Review is highlighting some of the better and, and more hysterical, terrible reviews written by Roger Ebert. Uh, so this is the reviews now, aren't terrible. Yeah, the, the reviews are often quite uh, uh, quite funnily written, uh, but they are movies that basically he, he hated. So these are all from uh, the archives of Roger Ebert. These are movies that he was not a fan of. Mm. Uh, I'm going to read an excerpt from that review, and uh, you guys try and guess what movie it is. So as I'm reading it, or after I'm done reading it, I'll give you a second. You can throw out a blind guess. You get three points if you get that right. And then I'll give you three choices. And then you get one point if you get from those multiple choices. You get one point right. You can change your guess. If you guessed on the blind and then you hear the choices, you can change your mind, but you won't get that bonus point. Do we and, raise our hand if we want to answer? Or how do, do we no, shout, just shout it out? There's, there's no, it out, no decorum on this show. So just, just, okay. just, uh, just shout that right on out. Um, remember, you are competing with one another, so subterfuge is allowed and encouraged. Mm -hmm. If you think you know something or you want to act like you do about these movies, feel go right ahead and uh, please play along at home. Should, so we, should, we, should we clue Ross in that Mike Zapsik is not a man to be trifled with when it comes to movies? I mean, it's it's fair, just fair warning. Ross, it's almost never Waterworld. That's that's what I think. About. <laughs> never Waterworld. Waterworld in there quite a, quite a bit. So uh, let's see. I'm just right. That's the subterfuge, Todd. You just killed me. Dennis Dennis Hopper's finest hour for sure. Oh, yeah, fantastic movie. All right, here we go. Let's start us off. Uh, number one, I like good horror movies. They can exercise our demons. This movie doesn't want to exercise anything. It wants to tramp crap through our imaginations and wipe its feet on our dreams. I think of filmgoers on a date I, seeing this movie and then what? I guess they'll have to laugh at it. Irony, irony being a fashionable response to the experience of being had. I'm going to say extra favor. Too, by the way. There are a lot of good movies playing right now that can make you feel a little happier, smarter, sexier, funnier, more excited, or more scared if that's what you want. This is not one of them. Don't let it kill 98 minutes of your life. So, so I found uh, the original Exorcist to be phenomenal, but I found and this is a very unheralded movie, Exorcist Three Legion to also be very good. However, inexplicably, Exorcist Two and Mike, I know you know what I'm talking about. Exorcist Two and everything. Does that have anything to do with the continuity of the series? It is a bananas film. It's almost like Highlander 2 when they go to the planet Zeist. Yeah. So what I would say here is because he used the term exercise demons, I'm going to go ahead and say Exorcist 2. I'm going to throw out Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Oh, yeah. He said in our nightmares. Very good. Very good. I, I did like that D&D &D guy. He didn't live, though, but that's not no, All right. <laughs> I'm going to say I know what you did last summer. I know what you did last summer. Interesting. All right. Wow. Okay. The choices I've got up here are number one, Saw. Number two, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake. Number three, Exorcist Two: The Heretic. Oh, oh. shit. Oh. I think I'm to stick with my original vote. Oh. Jumping on the John train. Yeah, I think that's the smart move. Yeah, I got to go with that one as well. I think you nailed it, my friend. 
Nicely done, shit. Mo, are you still oh. muted? Mo, are you are with us? I'm on here. I'm, uh, I'm just, you know, Todd, Todd likes to do this. He likes to throw a curve in there. Um, oh, you're right, man. <laughs> <laughs> you said you said uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake? Did you see Sue's, Sue's trying to give you some help there, Mo. I've never said this in my life, but I agree with John. <laughs> All right, we'll do it. Voice number three. Wow. You might have you might have just duped all of us, man. I think he did. Well, as I said, there's there are no rules, subterfuges allowed, and uh I will cop to doing some of that myself. The correct answer is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh I knew it is my third movie was uh Jason oh. versus Freddy. But I had to make it I had to change that to Texas. So, uh, yeah, sorry. Make, make, wow. make, make. It's very relevant to what we just discussed. Can you scroll to 9.25 p.m.? Michael P. Jr. Uh, yes, I can. Uh, Mike, what is this guy talking about? Yeah, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> I, Michael? Holy Mountain. Not one of mine. <laughs> All right, we got oh, zero. Go ahead, Todd. Go yeah, I'm going to power through this. Zero. Wait, wait, wait. I got a question, though. So, Todd, you as, as the question man, you get to actually come up with incorrect answers? Oh, absolutely. Jesus. Oh, he's sadistic, Ross. He's yeah, true. As well, we just saw. But right, we go. If, if we guess correctly, will you actually say you're correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, of course. I'll give full credit where it's due. Right, anyway, we, we, ju- we just got the lovely Suzanne Jinx. As soon as as soon as she agreed with us, we were doomed. But go ahead. That is that is very rare, though. Actually, Ross, to your question, it's very rare that I change an answer on the fly. I had to do it. I had to do it to John on that one. Didn't need a, an early lead right there. So here we go. This movie is being marketed as a date movie. I think it's more of a first date movie. If your date likes it, do not date that person again. And if you like it. There may not be a second date. <laughs> I'm going to say basic instinct. <laughs> Was that a date movie? Wow. Well, I'm, I'm well, the date, the word date is used a lot in the review. I might have to go with uh, at the Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, 51st dates. I'm going I'm to I'm piggyback. I'm going to say that one as well. I'm going to go blind date. <laughs> that was uh, the Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis and Kim Basinger. Yeah, yeah. I, I just saw Fifty First Dates again two nights ago. Uh, Sh- Sean Astin's character is hysterical. It's, yeah, he, oh, he's, he's amazing, and he can do the rock peck peck uh, peck pop oh, just yeah. like you, Mo. <laughs> he's fantastic in that. I will say so. Two things: one, John, I don't think you can jump onto someone else's bonus question or bonus answer. Okay, I'm establishing that as a new rule. Gotcha. Number two. Ming, I had, I'm not going to do it for a second time in a row. I had 50 first dates in there and I swapped it out for, uh, for one of these three answers. All right. Oh, okay. Okay. Not 50 first dates, primarily because I just decided that's too good a movie. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't be smirched in that way. So here we go. The three are Valentine's Day, 27 dresses, or in a nod to our top three coming soon, the wedding planner. Matthew McConaughey feature. Is 27 uh, Dresses with um, the much maligned Catherine Heigl? Yes. I watched that movie. I I really enjoy her, but I'm going to say that movie might be something Roger Ebert did not enjoy. And Cyclops. It was Jason Jason, uh, or uh, Marsden. James Marsden? Yep. 
James Martin, who will be coming up in the next segment. I'm just going to leave it at that. Star wow. of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to go 27 dresses on that one. I'm actually going to go with uh, Wedding Planner on this one. Yeah, I'm going to agree. Uh, wedding Planner sounds like the uh, the ultimate date movie gone wrong. And it would be relevant to our top three tonight. Hello? Uh, number one, Valentine's Day. Yes. All right. Valentine's Day. Well, we give him a hard time. It's a horror movie, right, Mel? We give him a hard time all the time. The board is empty for all but one. Muhammad scores. Hey, it. Hey, oh, nice. All right, here we go. If you right. want to save yourself the ticket price, go into the kitchen. Cue up a male choir singing the music of hell and get a kid to start banging pots and pans together. Then close your eyes and use your imagination. Okay, do me a favor. Say, the, say it one more time. I'm right. Sorry. It's going to be tough to pull without without the multiple choice, but because some of these are just blind, like bad review, like he just murders their movie. But there's a couple clues in there. If you want to save yourself the ticket price, go into the kitchen, cue up a male choir singing the music of hell, and get a kid to start banging pots and pans. Then close your eyes and use your imagination. I, I do have a guess. I, I say grammar too. <laughs> I'm going to say Michael Bay's Transformers. Ooh. I'm going to say School of Rock, maybe. Oh, that's a good angle, too. Yeah. Ming Mike, I the only thing that comes to mind because you said there's a clue in there is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Ooh. Oh, the remake? No, that was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh. I'm talking about the musical, and there was. Okay. So, oh, that, wasn't that beloved? Well, who knows? We'll see. I've got uh, I've got actually put four in four answers in here for some reason. So I've Why got. Why did you raise the degree of difficulty? Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines. Transformer Revenge of the Fallen, mm. Pitch Perfect 2, <laughs> or Alvin and the Chipmunks. I was yes. going to say Pitch Perfect as my guess, but I couldn't remember the name of it. So, <laughs> Wait, Alvin and the Chipmunks with Jason Lee? The one and only. No, no, he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't do that. He couldn't do that. Um, now, here's the thing. Because you've already displayed an astounding lack of scruple by changing <laughs> your answers... Now I have to wonder, did you put Transformers Revenge of the Fallen? Because I said the original Transformer. Um, you do have to wonder that. I hate you. I'm going to go with my gut. I'll stay with the Transformers franchise, and I'll say Revenge of the Fallen, even though I thought it was the original. <laughs> I'm going to go with Alvin and the Chipmunks because it's a male choir from hell, and they are supposedly – male chipmunks so that's true right the female ones were the chip heads yes correct <laughs> I, I gotta go with pitch perfect then i gotta that all with also with males in the choir if i'm not mistaken so we have uh ross and i think ross and uh ming with pitch perfect john transform ross yeah. did you say that i was gonna yeah, but you know, I, I'm kind of more inclined to agree with Zapchik on this one. Like, uh, I don't know. if I can just if I can just say this, 
Okay. I only recently at age 45. Here he goes. Here he goes. Found out (laughs) that David Seville of Alvin and the Chipmunks was never named David Seville. In fact, that role was a character played by the tastefully named Ross Bagdasarian. Okay, that's a true fact. You can Google it. I'm telling you the truth here. And I think because you knew Ross would be our guest, you also knew this. And that's why it's Alvin and the Chipmunks. But I'm, my answer is locked in as Transformers. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to go with Alvin and Chipmunks. Uh, Mo, did we get one? We're going back and forth between Transformers, uh, Revenge of the Sith, and Alvin uh, and <laughs> What's your pick, man? It's got to be Alvin. Alvin and the Chipmunks, man. Mo, did you go two for two? You had it, and you lost it. Oh, Revenge of the Fallen. Revenge of the Fallen. Whoa. John, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. The opposite of of, uh, my previous round of scruples, I'm going to give you two two bonus points on that. Well earned. You're all right, Spider. You're all right. There's no argument there. All right. Here we go. Moving along. No one is funny in this movie. There are no memorable lines. None of the characters is interesting except for the enigmatic figure played by Rob Lowe. Judging by the evidence on the screen, this movie got a green light before a usable screenplay had been prepared, with everybody reassuring themselves that since they were such funny people, inspiration would overcome them. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Yes, that's what it is. Um, said that first. That was yeah, wrong. Right? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Ross Shame said Wayne's World, and Mike said Wayne's World. I'm going to say Tommy Boy. Was he in Tommy Boy? Yeah, he was. Oh, my God. Yes, he was. Oh, thank you. And I, and I think that might offend Ebert more than Wayne's World, but he was easily offended, so either could apply. <laughs> I wish Gio said he was watching so he could weigh in, but... Ooh, super Trooper shoot. Nobody's seen Geo in months. I know what's going on. I, know, I haven't. I haven't heard from. Him. Sorry. So your choices are Tommy Boy, Austin Powers, the Spy Who Shagged Me, oh, or oh, Jimmy yes. Glick in La La Wood. Oh, shit. it's got to be that one. It's got to be Jimmy. Oh. I saw me. I expected it to be better in the. So Pugsley Cripes and Carson McIntyre in the comments, along with Nick Franco, who all said Wayne's World, are clearly trying to deceive you guys. Yeah. Wow. No way you can say no one is funny in Wayne's World. Come on. Yeah, Wayne's World is one of my No memorable lines. Movie got a green light before a usable screenplay had been prepped. Everyone assuring themselves would overcome them. Can anyone here, anyone, quote a line from Jiminy Glick right now? Roger Ebert was right. (laughs) All right, what do we got? Mike, what do you got? Jiminy Glick. Jiminy Glick. Momo. Jiminy, man. Ming. I, I'm going to defy convention. I know there are many, many memorable ones now, but I'm going to say that at the time it came out, uh, Austin Powers, Spire, that uh, Eber was like, nah, I'm, I'm going to go against convention here. Okay, so he played a young um, uh, uh, number two. Number, number two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ross, what's your call? I think I'm going to go with Jiminy Glick, too. 
Jimmy Glick and Johnny. Yeah. Well, I said Tommy Boy originally. And then when your choices came out, Tommy Boy was in them. So unless you're re-fucking with me after you unfucked me last time, I'm going to stick with Tommy Boy. You made the wrong call before. You made the right call this time. Oh. Tommy Boy. Wow. Wow. You know, funny, I was going to say Wayne's World, but when those two yahoos jumped on Wayne's World, I flipped to Tommy Boy. So thank you, guys. There you go. All right, here we go. The, now star, my week. the star of this movie, and he uses the name, the star of this movie has some funny moments, but this film could have been written on toilet walls by callow adolescents. Every reference to a human sex organ or process of defecation is not automatically funny simply because it's naughty, but he seems to labor under that delusion. He acts as if he's getting away with something, but in fact, all he's getting away with is selling tickets to a dreary experience. Sounds like he's hating on my man, Tom Green. So, um, boy, there's a couple there. Um, I thought it was Alan G, but uh, Tom, Tom Green sounds like it's the right one. Never follow me. Um, oh, Freddie got fingered? That's what I'm thinking. Uh, uh, I'm going to say that. Was there a lot of references that body organs in that? I don't remember that. I, I, don't know, I don't know, but just the fact that there's a star, because the description made me think more of American Pie. Right. Todd, first line, the star of this film, blank, you know, Jason Biggs is not a star that he would mention. You're right, Tom you're Green, right. that was a vehicle for him. Anyway, yeah. it's an instinct. Don't listen to me. Your choices are, unless anyone wants to throw any, anything else out. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking Adam Sandler for some reason. The only movie that comes to mind is Big Daddy. Oh, interesting. If you're looking for bad movies, you can't beat Little Nicky. But go ahead. <laughs> Your choices are Tom Green's Freddy Got Fingered. Motherfucker. <laughs> Mike Myers' The Love Guru. <laughs> or Sasha Baron Cohen's The Dictator. Ooh. Oh. Mo, we saw the dictator, man. Wow. Oh, boy. I think that there were a lot of dick jokes in the dictator, ironically, because of the name. Uh, right? <laughs> I think it was more just like terrible acts of violence against random people, wasn't it? I don't remember there being a lot of like flatulence or dick jokes in that movie. But more importantly, I think Emmanuel Shrieky had a great role. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Always. Um, I, I'm, I'm stumped. I'll have, I'm reluctantly now going with my first one. At this point, I'm convinced you're fucking with me, but I'll stick with my original my guess. gold. Get inside your head. You Deep in there. Burrowed in there. Like I, Yankees inside the mind of a Red Sox fan. Yeah. I'm also going to go with Freddie Got Fingered. Yeah, I go, I got to go with my man Tom Green here for sure. I'm going to go with the dictator. It's a little too obvious. A little too obvious, and I think, Todd, you're messing with us. Yeah, right. I also did third week in a row. I didn't break the f bomb, so <laughs> we're proud of you. Do we get a vote? Do we get a vote for Mo? Growth. Well, I, I think it's a love guru because originally I said Ali G. I don't know if there were a lot of dick jokes in that. You originally did say Ali G. Ali G. Being uh, yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll go to choice number three. 
Mo, I'm going to give this one to you. It is Mike Myers, the love guru. Wow. Wow. Well earned, brother. Well earned. You I never wanted to. I still don't want to. And this doesn't make me better about it. That was a film he made, right? Congrats, Mo. That's uh, the movie. Oh, you're kicking ass, buddy. Holy crap. You're you're like the upon further review guru right now. <laughs> you're the rain man of upon further review. All right, here we go. Most of the people in this look as if they would rather be in other movies. The movie basically has one joke, which is the main character's weird, nerdy strangeness. If you laugh at this joke, Chances are you laugh at Jerry Lewis, too, and I can sympathize with you, even if I can't understand you. I found, be, uh, long, I found the movie a long... Napoleon Dynamite! I found the movie a long... I found the movie a long, unfunny slog. Kids might like it. Real little kids. I'm going to say Mr. Bean. Oh, yeah. you son of a bitch. You don't, you don't sully his name. Mr. I, Bean is a god. You like Mr. Bean? John is, an inc- is a huge Rowan Atkinson fan. I love Rowan Atkinson. I can't First in line for, for anything right. Rowan Atkinson does. Good point, good point. Separating the actor from the role. Good point. Black Adder all day. Yeah. Mr. Bean. Under, under, underrated in a role with very little screen time and love, actually. Oh, go ahead. And four so we weddings had, and a funeral, I meant. Four weddings and a funeral. Oh, yeah, we, yeah. Had, we had a Mr. Bean and what – there was one other one you threw out. Napoleon oh, Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite. I think Mike's right about that. So so do me a favor, and I'm sorry. I apologize for my obnoxiousness. Can you please read it one more time? It's not obnoxious, Sean. I got all night. Yeah. Most of the people look as if they would rather be in other movies. The movie basically has one joke, which is the main character's weird, nerdy strangeness. If you laugh at this joke, chances are you laugh at Jerry Lewis, too. And I can sympathize with you, even if I can't understand you. I found this movie a long, unfunny slog. Kids might like it. Real little kids. I think Napoleon. I've got a pull. And I think it's the Jerry Lewis reference. And this may only be me. The day the clown cried? I always, when I was younger, Jim Carrey reminded me of um, Jerry Lewis. So now is the movie going to be? Cable Band. Mask? No, it's before that. It's got to be earlier than that because with the cable guy, you've got Matthew Broderick, you've got Jack Black. There's other things he can say. This is keying in on the star, so it's a star vehicle. Ace Ventura. And that is what I'm thinking. The answer is Ace Ventura. That's my guess anyway. Anyone else? Who said uh, Napoleon Dynamite? That was Mike? Mike And if Mike didn't say that, I would have said that. So if, right. it ca- if it counts, I, I get a point. Duly noted. Uh, your answers are, it's Pat. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Borat. <laughs> or Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Oh. So Napoleon Dynamite's not even in the final three. Make, it's a great guess. I would have put it on the list had I thought. Literally it. where my first thought went. Uh, I was forced to dig deeper. I'm going to go with It's Pat for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk about one note, but, you know, not necessarily a kid's movie, but, hey, you know. Okay. I'll be right back. All right. Kids, kids like weird things. Uh, yeah, a lot of people say, who's that? 
It's Pat. <laughs> Julie Yeager Hauer says, who's that? It's Borat. But that's okay. Geo Setti, Geo Setti jumping in with Pee Wee Herman. It's a really good guess, George. Right. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, that would have uh, been good. Todd, right. you, you kind of ruined it. Um, I'll go with Ace Ventura because it was sort of aimed at kids, too. And you acknowledged him, Todd, so that's that's why you ruined it. Wait, what, what happened? We got to keep the integrity of the game. What, did, what happened? Oh, it has nothing to do with the game. Oh, okay, okay. It has to do with the overart, the overarching thing we were trying to do. Ming ruined it in the beginning anyway, so. Why haven't we heard from Gio? All right, don't worry. We can get back on it. You won't notice. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you meant I ruined this. I realized what you meant. Oh, no, okay. not thinking, yeah. uh, so, uh, so, wait, do we have a guess? Do we get a guess from Mo? I didn't hear. Hey, it's obvious. It's Pat. <laughs> what's I what's that? Said it's Pat, Pat, except for. And I, I believe Ross said it's Pat before yes, he left. Yeah. And Ace Ventura. Ming, I've got Mike and John with Ace Ventura. Well, it's a shame that Ross is not here in his seat. Oh, he's coming back just in time to hear. Oh, he got it right. But he got this one wrong. Oh. Ace Ventura. Pet <laughs> I'm finally on the freaking board. But he's not, he's not nerdy. I mean, he, I, I guess. Agree. I agree. I agree. Th- I, I leaned in on nerdy in the choices because uh, I didn't. I don't. I don't know where that comes from. But there you go. Uh, yeah, like Ebert's got a lot of room to talk about nerdiness. <laughs> All right, last one. Let's do this. Here we go. This is one of those movies so dim-witted, so utterly lacking in even the smallest morsel of redeeming value that you stare at the screen in stunned disbelief. It is moronic behind beyond comprehension, an exercise in desperation, during which even Sylvester Stallone, a repository of self-confidence, seems to be disheartened. Oh, 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 what was that one that he did with Which one, Ross? He did a movie, Oscar, Oscar. <laughs> the movie Oscar. Yes. Um, can yeah. I say throw mama from the train? Was he in that? So yeah. I, I, I feel like I, I, he was. I, I, if not, I just threw my points away, but. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you. Did. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, stop for my mom will shoot. Oh, shoot right? Stop for my mom will shoot. That's what I mean to say. Same, yeah. same, same gal yeah. there. Yeah. Right. Different movie. That, different and movie. that's the movie I mean to say. Stop or my mom will shoot. That sounds probably more right. Ah, shit. Or Tango and Cash. Oh, dude, don't, I love Tango and Cash. Oh, come on, you can't shit on that movie. That's I love that it. He is. <laughs> How dare you? Not Todd. Not me. All right, what are the choices, man? The choices are over the top. Oh, he better not. He better not. I wanted to remake that movie for I'm years. I'm going to turn the hat around right now. <laughs> <laughs> I will dig him up and kill him again. Are you kidding me? Over the top. Judge Dread. Original recipe. Oh. Come on, I like that movie. 
or stop or my mom will shoot. Damn. You know what you know where my vote is. Since I yelled it before over the top, I've got to go there. Wow, Mike. Wow. It's Ebert, not me. Not me. Mike hates Lincoln Hog. All right. <laughs> and I will help you dig up his rotting corpse. It, it's it's gotta be stuff where my mom will shoot. It's gotta be. But you know what? Oh, Getty was awesome in that. I still get he was awesome. You guys vote wherever you want to vote. I could throw these points away. But what I'm saying is, Todd, you're the kind of MF that would put that there because you know that's what we would think it would be. So but I am. I I'm gonna go with Judge Dredd because I feel like he would just hate that movie, even though I really enjoyed that. Yeah. That whole scene where he's cu- cursing to get the the paper for the for the toilet, really yeah. so good. Mo, do we have a do we have a Mo guess? I'll say uh, over the top because I haven't seen it. Over the top. What? <laughs> Are you? Editing. Actually, even more. I have never even heard of it until now. Oh my Mo, god, Mo! You know what you know what you're doing tonight. Oh, I'm literally I'm literally adding you into the leaderboard on pop culture confession. I mean, he's, he's racking up the points in the meta game every week. Has never you're heard a child of, of the eighties, Mo. You're a child of the eighties. Uh, Ross, just to catch you up, we have a we have a running log of uh, the leaders in the clubhouse for pop culture confessions, right? So. My, I'm 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 high up on that list for seeing Goonies for the first time at age 42. Uh, John and and uh, Mike have never seen a Fast and Furious movie. Cheers, Michael. Never will. Thank you, Ming, yes, my friend. Ming just admitted last week, I think, or two weeks ago, to watching The Office for the first time. Uh, yeah, in, shame on you. Within I the past did. couple of weeks during I quarantine. Did. And Mo, I don't know if he's topping this or, or not. His previous high was having seen Shawshank Redemption for the first time 26 years after its release and now admitting to have never been, never hearing of Over never the Top. Over Not the just hasn't top. seen it, never heard of it. Well, I, know you're, I know you're braving the quarantine to leave California and head to Vegas. That's true. My advice, stay in the car, drive all the way here to Jersey. We're going to watch <laughs> Over the Top, but Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap oh, this thing Stuart, up. Stuart Greenberg corrected me. It was Demolition Man when he was yeah. cursing the TP. I'm a mistake. Oh, we covered that at, at uh, last that's week. That's our main man, Stu. Man, you can't mess with him. Stu's right. keep it straight. Thank you for the correction. All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this one up. The correct answer is throw Mama from the train. No, it's not. He actually was not in that. Um, <laughs> the correct answer though is Johnny stop or my mom will shoot good enough we'll take I'm it you, I'm not giving you the bonus points because you, you gotta give me one and a half win. come on but you still win with an eight point margin wow Johnny wins it Ming we'll gets on the board with that last one Mike's also on it and Muhammad as we know already is totally blanked our special guest Ross Marquand well done my friend John's exact words to me were, "Let's play uh, Pond for review." He's like in the, he's a movie guy. He'll get, he'll, he'll know what's up with these. No, no, but Ross, uh, you, you're you're proving uh, the uh, the kind of old adage. True, actors don't care about reviews, right? You're not going to read the review. Exactly right. Well, I got I got a game for you. I can guess oh, fuck you. almost any movie within a year. Whoa, wow. that's. Yeah. Can you just give us our next hit segment? Is that what just happened right here? It did, yes. Uh, 
We're gonna pay this guy royalties in perpetuity. Let's see how we. Hey, you know what? Are we how we're back right you up while she says she's got zero on the board as well. Who there does? Go. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. <laughs> uh, I've got a. I've got a movie. Uh, this is impromptu. Revenge of the Nerds Two: Nerds in Paradise. That was. I'm gonna say 85 again within within a year within a year. Well, I mean, they probably filmed it during 86 because it came out in 87. So I'm going to count that as a win. All right. It's within a year. Okay. Pretty close. Pretty, 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 pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. Oh, we Throw should... another one. Throw another one. Throw another one. Do, 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 another. do you have any idea on the, on the, we had it earlier, the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre? That was, oh, the remake from Witchery. Uh... Yeah, because there's actually been two remakes. Yeah. Has there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. The more recent one, probably. Well, the, the, there was one in like oh two or oh three, wasn't there? It was um, two thousand three. You are right, my friend. How about the original? That was seventy eight. Nineteen seventy four. What? That far back? Wow, shit. One of my favorite movies from Brian De Palma, The Untouchables. That was 80, 88. Uh, um, eighty seven. So within a year. Yep, 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 yep. That's good. Count it. Correct. Count it. Wow. I like this game. This is strong. Mike Adrian Patrick mind. throws out Fletch. That's a good movie. Fletch. Ooh, Fletch. Man. Fletch was 78. Let's look that up. While you look that up, John, 1,000% guarantee Muhammad has never seen Fletch. Yes, it's true. Not even a, not even a question. Fletch <laughs> <laughs> lives with Arlie Ermey. <laughs> if you give us a year for both or either. What, what your call? Fletch lives. I want to say because because Fletch came out in '78. I'm almost positive. And then uh, later, I think. Later, I think. Fletch was '78. I think wasn't it? It's got to be '80. Okay. Well, I, I would have said '83. Poon's European vacation. Wait, which one? Well, let's let's get, let's get Fletch out of the way. What's your guess on Fletch lives, Ross? Fletch lives because I think that came out considerably later, and I remember Chevy. I think having some more whiteness there. I want to say ninety-one. Man, you're you're right there. Fletch lives is eighty-nine. Oh, an original Fletch. If you give me a second here, seventy-eight. Right, it's a eighty-five, I believe. It's a it was an eighties movie. I'm going to concur with, with Ming on that one. Was it eighty-five or eighty-three? It might have been eighty-five. Yeah. My what? guess was eighty-three. That was my guess, but it looks like it's eighty-five on IMDb. Shit, uh, Doctor Rosen Rosen. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm pretty good. I guess. All right, nobody's going to be undefeated here. And European vacation, Ross. European vacation. That was eighty-four. I want to say. That was eighty-five. But you were within yeah. the. Yeah. All right, Soul Plane. Soul, Soul plane. plane. Whoa. That was 2001. Four? Shit. Okay. All right. Well, listen. And, and you know what? Todd? So Ross, just say within three years. Construct yeah. a game around this uh, with points being by how far you deviate. How far off you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And we're, maybe we'll have Mo be the custodian of that one. All yeah. right. Let's, 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 let's move on to our next segment. Uh, and, th- and this is top three, folks. This is top three. Uh, we do this every week. And so in the days leading up to the taping of Point Blank, we're going to put the top three out there. It's going to be on my page. 
It's going to be on the Point Blank page. It's going to be on the Instagram Point Blank page. We're going to share it out into a number of groups on Facebook, Essential Guy Talk group, uh, all kinds of groups. And we're going to do is we're going to ask you, the Point Blank friends, fans, viewers, and listeners, your top three. This week, the top three Matthew McConaughey performances. So this can apply across all media. And we got answers across all media. Uh, but before we get to you, the fan, friend, viewer, and listener vote, we're going to talk to our esteemed panel and see what we think is the top three Matthew McConaughey performances. Uh, and in order that's going to be completely random, we're going to start with the person who looks the least prepared, Mo Youssef, your <laughs> top three oh, that's cool. Matthew McConaughey performances. Go for it, buddy. So my honorable mention is uh, – even though it's a great movie, it's Tropic Thunder, only because he plays such a small role in there. Right. He delivered a freaking G6. Come on, man. And, and this is a Tropic Thunder mention in back-to-back weeks. Last week, we did with guest Lou Bourdon, uh, top three frat pack movies, and Tropic Thunder did very well. So good call on your honorable mention. Continue. So number three, uh, whenever an actor has to change their, their body uh, in, a, in a crazy, crazy way, uh, you got to give it up. The uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Well, that's my number three. Um, number two is We Are Marshall. I'm always, always yeah, up for yeah. and, uh, you know, sports movie. I uh, love that genre. And number one, of course, Wolf of Wall Street. Nah. Wow. And he had wow. like four of minutes course, of free time. <laughs> How many? <laughs> well, I, yeah. I mean, I gotta, Mo, 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 you got to get those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Mo, great. Uh, What I can tell you is all of your picks, all of your picks, we're going to hear from them later. Let's swing it right on over next to you to my main man, Mike Z, your top three Matthew McConaughey performances. Is uh, just for posterity, John, I need to know, is this a man crush? I, 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 (laughs) duh. We've been teasing it for weeks. I've got a mail right here. If we have time, we're going to get to mail call. I've got a mail calling me out of my mail crushes. I'll just say this. At the lovely Suzanne's behest, last night we sat down with the kids and watched for the first time ever for them, for me, something like 27 years, A Time to Kill. Okay. And there is not a lot of things prettier on this planet than a young Matthew McConaughey glistening in the Mississippi sweat wow. in a hot summer. Wow. So, I'm going to take that as a yes. So that I'm would be a, Mike, thank, you, thank you for the question, Mike. I'm adding it to the official list, which is headlined by none other than James Marden, Marsden. I'm noting not only Matthew McConaughey's name, but the adjectives pretty and glistening. Glistening. <laughs> Get the two T's in there. I hate all of you, man. Go ahead, Mike. You're top don't three. Don't be ashamed, John. You're not There's the one that gets called out about it, man. Man. Don't worry about it. You're good. Uh, so anyway, here we go. Number three. We are Marshall. Yes. Love it. I mean, inspirational. It's it's uh, poignant. He's at his most charming, in my opinion. He learns how to do the veer. It's great. Yeah. Yes. My number two is... Um, a Time to Kill. The aforementioned A Time to Kill. I love it. Uh, the John, John Grisham book was phenomenal. He did a great job. 
um, bringing Jake to life. Mm, Jake um, yeah, Jake, Jake Brigantz. Um, and it, you know, it was uh, a stellar performances from everyone. Yeah. Uh, Donald uh, Sutherland was amazing. Yeah. And, you know, something I had forgotten because I hadn't seen the movie for, what, 27 years? But I watched it last night. You've got Donald and Keith Kiefer on opposite sides of the struggle in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And my my numero uno is frailty. Oh, good call. Love Great pick, Mike. Good call. Uh, Tell the a little bit more about that movie. It didn't get a ton of love in the fan vote. I don't think it was wi- as widely seen as some of the others. Talk about that a little. Uh, Frailty is about a, uh, a father who's teaching his sons uh, about um, demons, and they become demon hunters. And you find out through a series of uh, misadventures that – Maybe demons don't exist. Maybe, uh, but they take the law into their own hands. And uh, Bill Paxton, yeah. yeah, the late great, yeah, yeah, uh, great call, Mike. Great movie. I'm actually going to give my own top three right now. Um, I do have one honorable mention. Um, yeah, it, it's a TV role that he played uh, very memorably, uh, and that is, of course, the role of Russ Cole. Wow. In season one of True Detective, what he and Woody Harrelson did at the peak of their movie star powers, saying, "Hey, we can do TV. There's not a stinger. There's nothing like. Are you kidding me?" And and I mean, he he introduced the phrase to our collective vernacular of "time is a flat circle, bro." And so. And again, you talk about a physical transformation. You know, he got emaciated. You know, he's fucking his partner's wife. It's all over the place. And it's a great moment. That's my honorable mention. Okay. Here's my top three. Interstellar. When you hear about uh, a Christopher Nolan movie, you're usually not thinking of uh, maybe a character study, you know, uh, uh, a film where every single shot may have a a particular actor or character in it. Uh, You know, certainly there's going to be some sort of hijinks, some special effects for sure. An intricate plot, uh, careful viewing will be rewarded. All hallmarks of a Christopher Nolan film, but in this film, playing the role of Cooper, the astronaut who carries the somewhat heavy burden of saving the entire human race um, while at the same time losing his family. Uh, he just does an absolutely gut-wrenchingly amazing job. And so that's my number three. But my number two, kind of the movie that made him, Wooderson, <laughs> Dazed and Confused. All right? There's no all right, all right, all right without this movie. And um, we got to give props, Todd, as you often do, and Mo, you were there with me, uh, to our old friend Lou Bourdon, who was our guest just last week, because he's the one who introduced me to this movie, Lo, these 25 years ago. Uh, he's all right. And you're going to talk about a classic line. You know, yeah, I love these high school girls. You know, the older and older I get, they stay the same age. Uh, it's also the movie that taught me because of that. That some of the things that we do can be perceived as creepy to the fairer sex. But in any event, what an amazing performance, that mustache. I mean, just forget about it. My number one, 
It's a film that oh, I want to say five episodes ago or so when we did top three post-apocalyptic movies ranked very highly for me. That was Reign of Fire. Well, his role of Quinn Abercrombie. Okay, while not one of his more heralded roles, it's certainly my favorite role. You know why? Because he was batshit fucking crazy, okay? This movie's set in England. He's the gung-ho American. Shaves the head. He's out there killing dragons with a fucking halberd, all right? That's that's not something that happens normally, and definitely not in the future. But he was badass. He, 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 you know, this was Christian Bale's movie, but he took this movie from him. And so that is my number one role. I'm going to throw it over to our guest, the lovely Ross Marquand. I'll say I don't know about lovely, but uh, I appreciate that lead in there. And uh, the, the the lovely Lynn Smith Riger says that she wants me to do my top three and Matthew. So to you, I say, all right, all right. So I'm going to go back in time, if I may. Back to a little movie back in 1996 by the name of Amistad. Now, Amistad was a very great movie about uh, a lot of societal import about the slave trade, of course, John Hansu and whatnot. Steven Spielberg had a great time working on that. But I really feel like that was the first movie where Matthew was like, people like me because I'm a gorgeous man, but I want to show people that I'm a great actor. And that's why I love Amistad. It was a turning point for him as an actor. And I really love that. Uh, the one I want to go with is, of course, Lone Star. Came out about the round, same, same time. Wow. John Sayles' film. That's a great, great movie right there. Another great movie where you see McConaughey kind of like coming into his own and saying, hey, I, I don't, I don't want to be just a good-looking guy who takes his shirt off all the time. I want to be taken care of. And then, of course, he like went and did like nothing but movies where he took his shirt off. But then the McConaissance happened. And I got to tell you, true detective, it does not get it does not get better than Rush and Cole. Matthew McConaughey's Rush Cole is the best, best TV performance maybe of all time, I think. Wow. Right there. Boom. Put that out there right now. I think it's one of the best performances in TV history. And tough, tough to argue with that. Yeah. Is right there with uh, Ross Marquand's Aaron of The Walking Dead. Hey. Uh, sucks. Boo. Uh, have you have you heard McConaughey do his Russ Marquand? It's fucking spot on, man. You gotta, <laughs> we'll have him on. That's all right. Bang, great top right. three there. Great top three. Uh, I love, I love when the panel goes in a different direction than the fan vote. Ross, you certainly made that happen. Uh, Ming Chen, your top three. Uh, all right, number three. Uh, and I don't know if this will come up in any fan voting, but I'm going to go with the uh, 1997 directed by Robert Zemeckis starring Jodie Foster, Contact. Um, wow. Wow. To act like he was into her I guess he was uh, and, and um, maybe that wasn't the case per se in the movie but you know he did his best and that's acting that's acting right there oh my god <laughs> Great strong brutal. acting performance but uh, I, I actually like that movie a lot so <laughs> just, uh, the finest hour yes absolutely as uh, as <laughs> abs- uh yes blowing himself up in the uh, i think that was him right blowing yep. himself up in the uh, in the whatever the whatever you call that thing yeah, the right. yeah. 100%. Uh, number two, uh, time to kill. Uh, yes, you're right. He, a young Matthew McConaughey in the the Bayou or wherever they were. Listening, listening. 
glistening. <laughs> and he, he had the tough job of uh, getting Samuel Jackson acquitted, and he did it. And he did oh, it, he did it. With a very rousing uh, closing argument uh, that that definitely worked out. Made all the difference. And number one, uh, let's go. Let's go get some Aerosmith tickets, everybody. Uh, Days and confused. I mean, I don't want that Ted Nugent shirt that he wears in that movie. But you know, talk about memorable performances. And yeah, you know, he's he's a co-star. I don't even know how long he's in that movie. Maybe no, he's like the I think like the twelfth or fifteenth build person. Yeah, after, yeah, after, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. After, yeah, after everybody else, after Jason London and and Parker Posey and and Joey Lauren Adams and uh, everybody else. But uh, what uh, you know, you think of Days and Confused, uh, he immediately pops to mind. So great call. Um, long live Wooderson, everybody. Man, Toddy, you going to bring it home or what here? Let's do it. So um, I've got one and only one honorable mention, and it is the uh, – I don't know if you guys have seen this on uh, Netflix, but the Between Two Ferns movie. Yeah. So yes. Zach, Zach Galifianakis taking that concept into – extending it into feature film length. Uh, I don't know that the, that the construct totally works, but all of the celebrity uh, hits inside it, which are basically you know redos of the show – and some a bunch of new people are are killer, and uh, McConaughey plays a, a relatively central role. Spoiler alert: he gets accidentally killed uh, by uh, Zach Galifianakis flooding his studio. But the, the the good ones on there were you know how they he puts his name underneath it, so it says Matthew McConaughey dazed and confused, parentheses also an actor, and and then uh, he asks him. You mentioned the say he asks him. You had so one of his questions was you have your shirt on. Is everything okay? <laughs> so that's my honorable mention between two ferns um my number i'll go in reverse order starting with well usual starting with number one because you you did a, a good uh, hit on it already john my number one was interstellar i went i saw this movie well after it was in theaters and i think it i mean it 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 was kind of mixed reviews. People were were very were maybe mixed on uh, how they felt about this one. For whatever the sound reason. You don't normally hear uh, people complain about the sound mixing. Well, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So my expectations were, I think, maybe a, a little bit lowered as a result. I thought this movie was fantastic, and I thought he absolutely owned it. I mean, the guy's in ninety percent of the movie and completely carries it. And, and it's a tough role. It's a really uh, intricate and bizarre kind of film. So I, I loved it. That's my number one. My number two, shout out to Rob McCutcheon and uh, nothing like a great romantic comedy. I'm giving it to How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Um, purely because you, you just cannot help be, won, help be won over by the charms of Matthew McConaughey in, in movies like this. He's, he's obviously done a handful of them. And uh, this one's it's just a, a fun, dopey, romantic comedy. And uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fan, so I'll, I'm unashamed to admit it. And my number three, this is going off the board a little bit on this one. You did say performances and not films or TV shows. I uh, grew up in advertising. I'm an ad man. I'm going with the Lincoln commercials. My, mainly because I feel I mean, it, I know how hard it is to make a hit series of commercials and to make a, a series that kind of keeps going and, and, and taps into the becomes part of culture. I want to ask you, who else could could do these these like who else could they do this with? My only again, the only thing I can come up with is maybe and Ross, correct me if you agree or disagree, is maybe Gary Busey. Gary Busey selling Lincolns. I don't know. What, what do you think? We are selling mopeds. That's about down a freeway. Life is a highway. I want to ride it all night long. You know what I'm saying? 
That's all. <laughs> Tom Cochran right there. <laughs> Oh go. my god. All right, well, I glanced I, on my head. <laughs> <laughs> that was your number three. You went in reverse order today. You went one, two, three. That's correct. Okay. Well, listen, you're not alone. Let's get right to the fan vote. Okay. We solicited a total of Bear with me, folks. I'm a little slower because of the three beers. Uh, 470 votes. 470 votes cast. Uh, before we get to our top three. By the way, about- surprise, no one said Sahara. But okay, well, here's what I'll say. Of the 470 votes, they covered a relatively small spread of just 30 movies. And often we see many, many, many choices. This is a relatively smaller one. I will say the bottom three, something called Tiptoes scored a number one vote. Oh, uh, Gary Oldman. Is, I, I don't know it. I sure. Can't, I, yes. Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot that. Yes. Amazing. Do you want to redo your top three? Dude, congrats <laughs> to whoever said that because that's a – wow. Very His cool. appearance so. in an episode of Unsolved Mysteries – Scored two votes. Yep. <laughs> and Sahara scored three votes. So those made up our bottom three. Uh, Mr. Irrelevant being tiptoes. But here's uh, those who made it close. Okay, with 10 votes apiece tied for 10th place. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days and We Are Marshals. In ninth place, tied with 15 votes apiece. Tropic Thunder and the Lincoln Lawyer. Now, yes, because he is a Southerner, I'm not going to say lawyer as I normally would. That would be the Lincoln Lawyer. That's what they're going to say that way. In eighth place, with 16 votes, it's a shame Todd's not here. The Lincoln commercials came in eighth place in the fan vote. 16 votes for the Lincoln commercials. In seventh place, and far too low for my liking, with 21 votes, Reign of Fire in sixth place with 33 votes. This is a sin, folks. Interstellar. With 46 votes coming in fifth place. Again, I feel like it's too low, but it is true detective. And coming in with 52 votes. Missing the top three by a single vote. 52 votes. Good enough for fourth place. No, Yousef, it's Wolf of Wall Street. Here's your top three, folks. With 53 votes coming in third place. It is his role as Jake Brigance in the glisten, his glistening role, I should say, in A Time to Kill. Coming in second place with 58 votes. Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. All right. And in our closest top three in history – this is episode 50 of Point Blank. We've had them where there's somewhat of a blowout. We've had them where we did top three stand-up comedians, and George Carlin lapped the field, having more than the second and third uh, candidates put together. We've never had one that's come down to one vote. And this is a double one vote. The top three was decided by one vote, time to kill over Wolf of Wall Street. And number one, with one vote more than the 58 of Dallas Buyers Club, with 59 votes. All right, all right, all right. That's dazed and confused, folks. Winterson came in at first place. So that's you, the Point Blank fans, friends, viewers, and listeners. And let that be a lesson to you. 
With two of the top three positions being decided by just one vote, your vote is important, folks. Get those votes in. Hey, what we get here again? I'm just going to recap that. We got a total of 470 votes. Not too shabby. We want to get back to that five, 600 range that uh, Schwarzenegger and Stallone did for us. All right. We're going to move very quickly here uh, into our next segment. Our next segment. Quick beer hit, John. What beer are you on? Uh, beer, beer, yeah. I'll, I'll talk about the beer real quick. Good call, Todd. Uh, matter of fact, it's actually a great call. I'm going to tell you why. Uh, great call. If you can find Ming for me at 10, 12 p.m., our good friend Gary McRae, longtime fan of the program, uh, his vote was for Sahara. Do you see that there? I do, yes. There. And the vote is not so much for Sahara, but more for this beer because here – at Casa Coco, Ross Brewing HQ, we got a big beer mail delivery the other day coming from Savannah, Georgia's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know what I'm saying. Uh, coming from Savannah, Georgia's, uh, which is where uh, Gary uh, spends his winters. Uh, he summers up here in Jersey, but he winters down there. And this is Two Tides Brewing. And this beer is called How Much Cheese is Too Much Cheese? But. <laughs> no but, but but lest you get grossed out, I think it's a cheese-based beer, which is big in Wisconsin, but not usually many other places. This is actually a mixed berry cheesecake sour. Uh, it's with barley oats and wheat, a variety of cherries, lactose, milk, sugar. Uh, as most sours are, it's coming in at a little bit lower alcohol. It's the lowest for me tonight. Still 6%. <laughs> Look at that beautiful, beautiful red pretty. sour. Uh, they come out of Wisconsin lunchbox. That looks like a strawberry margarita, to be honest with you. I'll tell you what, Mike, I'm enjoying it nonetheless. So that's my second beer tonight. How much cheese? We redeem that. Is a, an all, it's always sunny in Philadelphia fan. Because that's the Charlie. Oh, yes, yes, yes. How much so, cheese is too much cheese? So, Gary, <laughs> Gary. Any amount of cheese is too much cheese, Charlie. We're going to thank you for that beer mail, beer mail delivery. Anyone else that wants to send any beer, hit me up offline. I'm happy to accept all deliveries. Uh, uh, Ross, are you drinking a second beer tonight? Uh, yeah, just my second. <laughs> I can, whatever. Cool. Ah, oh, the banquet beer. That banquet beer. By the way, if you're looking to cook with anything, no, no, no better beer than the banquet beer. Ross, I don't know if you remember – a good 60 years after the beer debuted, which would be about 10 years ago, the uh, the uh, well, I was going to call him inimitable, but I want to put that to the test right now. Inimitable Sam Elliott uh, it came out with a series of commercials promoting the Coors Banquet beer. Do you recall those, my friend? Of course I do. The banquet beer. <laughs> That's a terrible family. <laughs> right, well, that wasn't part of anything we planned, so um, it came out of nowhere. But uh, it's interesting you say that. I'll just say this. We, when we had the Wild Goose Pub in Stenow, we had 108 taps, and our sign out front said, no Bud, Miller, Coors, or Corona. And that was true with an asterisk. Until? The asterisk was – for Coors Banquet Beer. We didn't put Coors Light on. You know, we yeah. didn't have Bud Bud Light. We didn't have Miller Light. We didn't have Corona. But yeah. we did have Coors Banquet because, to me, that kind of broke that rule of, like, you know, mass market light beers. So, uh, you know, and, of course, we know what our what our good friend uh, Smokey did, uh, you know, versus the Bandits to try to bring that beer back east. So. <laughs> 
Uh, Todd, you drinking anything? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not, man? So uh, my second was this one is a actual collaboration between Weldworks Brewing and Central Standard. Um, two popular brew. Weldworks is in Greeley, Colorado, and I think Central Standard is down. Uh, I think they're down south somewhere. This one is in honor of our of our times right now. This is called Long Distance Distancing. Nice. So this was a collaboration between these two beers uh, during this uh, pandemic, I guess. So this is a hazy double IPA brewed with Lotus Strata and HBC 692 Experimental Hops. Can I um, tell you a little side story about Greeley there, Todd? Absolutely. Hit it. What so happened? I went to the University of Colorado in Boulder. Mm. And uh, one of our sister colleges was the University of Northern Colorado in Greeley. And we always knew it was going to snow the next day in Boulder because we smelled cow shit in the air. Oh, what? From Greeley, because they got a lot of cow, cow, cat, uh, cattle farming out in Greeley, and you knew it was going to snow. You knew for sure it was going to snow the next day. If you smelled cow shit in the air the day before, you're like, tomorrow it's going to snow. And without there you go. excellent. Those damn Greelians. <laughs> That's what Greeley smell for, man. Actually, to be specific, the cow shit capital of Northern Colorado. But that's okay. Yeah, exactly, John. While I've got, while I've got, I just, I have. So that was that was fantastic. It was a hazy double IPA. Um, what was that hitting at? I think it was like eight percent or something like that. I don't know, but I've moved on. Uh, I've since finished that one, and I wanted to just call out in case we don't come back to it. The one I've got in front of me is t- absolutely delicious. So this is a bourbon barrel aged imperial stout, limited release from uh, our friends over at Smog City. This is in Torrance, California. There you go. So I think, you know, throwing it out to California for you guys uh, over in LA. Infinite Wishes. This this is called. And uh, this your is wish for your third wish, noobs. There you go. So this is decadently aged for 12 months in bourbon barrels. Draws from the depths of nothingness and, and paths of obsidian black with intense aromas of vanilla, cinnamon, and cooked sugar, finishing with the layered richness of a bourbon chocolate pie. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely delicious. There's a pint of this. I'm going to be wiped out by the end of it. But uh, I think we're clocking at 13% on this one, something like that. Uh, 13.9, 13.9%, one pint. Uh, yeah, good luck. But it's, it's, this is really, really good. One pint, everyone knows the rules. One pint, Uh, everyone knows the rules. One thing I got to ask you, John, these wax seals, I haven't quite figured out how to get them off. So I mangled the hell out of this one, but eventually got it off of there and, uh, and got me. Your best bet is to use a proper, and you did the, you did your time over at Miss Grimble's, uh, use a proper waiter's cutting tool for a wine bottle. And there you go. All right. Oh yeah. All right. I tried. I have to crap out. Don't act like an amateur. All right, Ming, are you drinking a second beer? Uh, no, I'm still on this one. This one's, the 16 ounces. I drink small. Okay, before we get, before we get, I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I was going to say, too bad George has been uh, MIA for the past couple of months, or else he'd tell you to chug that, uh, Todd. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually getting worried for George. I haven't seen him. Has anyone heard, heard from him? From him. I haven't spoken to him. He hasn't uh, appeared in the comments. Poor Gio Setti. We just don't know what's going on with him. I haven't uh, seen him. We had him on. I mean, when was that that we had him on? Was that two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? 
I, well, he, he popped in an emergency appearance. Right. But uh, since then, I haven't heard from him. By the yeah. way, Mo, you know what they always say? Sweep the leg, buddy. Uh, <laughs> All right, listen, uh, our next segment, we want to delve into a little bit more with our guest, the very tastefully named Ross Marquand. Ross, you left us hanging, buddy. All right. You were there. Uh, uh, you were outside the tower in the penultimate episode of season 10 of The Walking Dead. Yeah. You're, uh, you're, 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 I don't know what's going on. You've got the whisperers all around you. You've got a zombie horde kind of left us hanging. We all would have known how it was resolved if not for this quarantine. So before you tell us a little bit about what you've been working on now and how fans can connect with you at various conventions or virtual conventions, what, what can you tease about the Walking Dead finale? Oh God, I, you know I can't say a damn thing, can I? Um, so you definitely make shit up. Or? Yeah. No, I can't say that. Even I mean, I, you know, the, the, the NDAs on Marvel and AMC are just so scary. Um, I will say, I, I, I think that the the finale and and the penultimate episode are some of the best stuff we've yeah. done done on the show. Um, the the hilltop battle was just like we were. Epic, brother. We were all kind of looking around each other, being like, "We want this to be like the Battle of Bastards," you know. Um, nice, that's it. awesome. Trying to trying to give a give a give them a run for their their money, but um, you know, I I I, I got to say, like, I, I think Angela Kang has just done a phenomenal job with this the last couple seasons of the show, and um, here here, <laughs> we don't know when we're gonna go back to work. I don't know if I'm dead this year or what. We don't know. <laughs> but, uh, did, did you have dinner? Say again? Did, did they give you a dinner? No, hey, I can't say. I can't say. All right, good enough. No, but unless uh, we forget that Mike and Ming, of course, uh, big AMC veterans as well. Of course, of course. Uh, so NBA City, you know, it's a, it's a whole thing. Who, uh, was that Greg Nicotero that directed that finale, or no? I think it. Wait, I, I think there's a, uh, a more recent tradition where he's been doing these finales. Yeah. I think yeah. I think it was Greg who did the finale if memory serves. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you're right about that. Um, that was back in November, so it's tough for me to. Any idea on when we can expect it? Can you? You don't. You might not know. Okay. I have no idea. I have okay. no idea. I'm so sorry. I mean, like a lot of people are upset because you know they're like, well, "Why can't it be released? Surely people can work on this stuff from home." But the reality is, like a lot of those editing bays, you can't take home with you. You know, they're they're very specific, like huge editing bays with, with specialized software that you just can't take home. So hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to get back to work soon. And uh, my hope is that by at least late summer, early fall, we'll have that episode out. You know. It's Probably great. Like we're going back to work. <laughs> in, in, in a way, it, it's. I mean, obviously, we all want to see it, but it's kind of cool because it breaks up the calendar. You know, so um, you know it, it'll be closer theoretically to when the next season would start than ordinarily it would be. True. I mean, the the, the real the real kicker, of course, is that we were supposed to go back to work uh, two and a half right. weeks ago for season eleven. So you know, everything's going to be pushed, which you know. We, we got to be smart. We got to be safe right now. This, these are very specific times. So, you know, we're, we're going to wait until it's the right time to do it. And we'll, we'll go back then. You know, I hear you. Uh, before I get to uh, any of your other topics, keeping it on Walking Dead, Ming, if you can throw it to the audience here, looks like Julie Yegi Howard's asking Ross, 
do you want to see another love interest for Aaron in the future? So uh, what I'll do is I'll just piggyback right there. Obviously, we saw this season some real meaty scenes with uh, with uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's Negan, where uh, he's really holding him accountable for the death, as he put it, of the love of his life, uh, Eric. And at this point in the show's timeline, it's important for us, the audience, to remember, you know, this is six years ago. Yeah. That would have happened, but he's still carrying that weight. It looked like you know there was something materializing there with uh, with Jesus for sure, uh, but uh, but you know unfortunately that was cut short. So how do you want to answer Julie's question? I think at this point <laughs> he's kind of given up on love a little bit. I mean, like every time he tries to have a love interest or anybody for that matter, I feel like every time there's happiness or like genuine love on this show, <laughs> they're just like, they get so and well, that's yeah, it. Also, I mean, she I would have a comic book, man. Well, yeah, <laughs> I would love to see that for Aaron, but um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I, I think I think it's it's pretty clear that like the show, which I think is kind of great, is that the show is about high stakes and really intense action now. And I I actually personally enjoy the fact that it's more about rebuilding society than than about these these separate love stories because those are essential to like making us care about the characters. But um, you know, I think I think rebuilding society moving forward is going to be the the main thrust of the show. As well as it should be, you know. Well, we're looking forward to, uh, obviously, uh, the finale and uh, upcoming season 11. And, of course, the spinoff movies, uh, maybe with Andrew Lincoln coming back. And there's already all sorts of rumors out there about who might be guest starring in those. And then, of course, we've got um, – Walking Dead World Beyond, a two-season limited series. And, of course, the rumor mill is in high gear for the long-awaited Fear the Walking Dead, Walking Dead crossover, where they catch the timelines up. And, again, that show's got its own mysteries to resolve. We don't know if, uh, 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 you know, if Morgan, uh, Lenny James is a, a, you know, great character, if he survived the events of that season's, that show's finale last year. So there's all sorts of hype going on. Uh, we really, really hope that you're at the center of all of it. But aside from that, you know, we've been talking. Obviously, you're working on some stuff, too. Uh, you know, you're busy. Uh, wh- wh- anything you want to promote, talk about, anything out there? Or anything you, maybe you can't. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> D.A. I think I'm allowed to say this because I've been working on the shows for a while, but I'm doing a lot of new stuff for American Dad and Family Guy. So that's cool. Okay. All right. Awesome. Yeah. And you've, you've, you've done some voices before, right? So, uh, okay. That's cool. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. Um, um, now, I, I, I earlier was able to give a quote that maybe uh, was pulled from your recent awesome con virtual uh, convention. And Ming, of course, our co-host right here, has done a number of virtual conventions as well. If fans want to connect with you going forward, what's some conventions or virtual conventions that maybe they can look forward to seeing you at? Uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to do as many as possible because the the most of the conventions that are coming out right now are, are heavily geared towards COVID relief, which is as well as it should be. You know, um, there's just going to be a lot of people, especially in California, that are uh, pushed to the limit throughout all this when they can't go back to work. Uh, I'm just really trying desperately to pair up with those conventions and those charities that are going to help people get fed. And, and make sure that rent is covered. Um, you know, as many, actually I'm working with one uh, today in New York where uh, 
pulled the name. They are uh, hiring out of work. Five years ago, before I got on the show, or six years now, I guess, I was doing cater waitering for years and medical studies and all sorts of other odd jobs. But uh, there's a group that is... Farm uh, banking or... Yeah, of course, you know. Uh, but they're, they're, they're hiring uh, out of work uh, cater waiters to uh, basically uh, go to homeless shelters and, and, and various houses and, and feed feed the, 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 the out, of, out of work, which is so awesome. And um, yeah, I'm trying to do a lot more of that. So anything in that realm, I'm mm-hmm. going to be part of for as long as I can be, you know. Very admirable. Um, before we get to if any of our panel have additional questions, Ming, if you can pull up Laura Kerr's question at 10.32 p.m., um, this is actually taking it back to The Walking Dead. A uh, very specific question about your character, Aaron, saying, do you personally have to prepare in a different way to act Aaron scenes out now that he is more of a darker character than you're used to previously. And just before uh, you answer that, I would just interject, you know, to the audience, not necessarily that Aaron has turned darker, but it's a character that suffered loss, uh, a tremendous loss. And certainly he was one of the most bright and optimistic characters during your earlier appearances from season five, when you joined now all the way to season 10 and, hopefully beyond of course a character that has suffered loss so how would you like to answer laura uh yeah i i, I hit myself i just punch myself in the face a lot <laughs> i listen to a lot of death metal i listen to skinny puppy and uh you know um no. <laughs> cannibal corpse cannibal corpse uh what's the one with the the super stokers with the uh oh man what are they called you know they got guar I listen oh, to a- of course guar I listen to a lot of Guar. I'm cool's favorite band, yeah. Please, <laughs> Martini, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I'm not, I'm kidding, but I'm kind of not kidding. Like, I, I do listen to a lot of death metal, and I kind of get a little... Uh, I also think of people that I don't particularly care for in my real life, and then I just kind of imagine their face on whoever I'm acting across, so that helps. Oh, me. shit, Ming. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of the most unlikable people ever. Hey, hey, man, if it helps you act better, then so be it. You know, <laughs> helping out, so yes. So I, I, was, I was telling John earlier, I say you're easily the most likely I've ever met, and I don't know what it is that you have you just you just have this energy and, and the likability. It's just the ability to not grow facial hair. That's what it is. That might be it. <laughs> You're just a lovely, lovely man. But he is Mr. Mayor on that convention circuit, is he not? <laughs> he is. He knows everybody. He's the mayor of the convention in Sydney. Mayor of convention. All right. Anyone else on the panel like to ask Ross any questions for this segment? This is actually more of a statement than a, than, a, than a question. I always wanted to tell you that uh, your John C. Riley impersonation is just off the charts. Oh, uh, thanks, Mo. Uh, did we just become best friends? Maybe setting us up for the closing segment unwittingly. Good job. Yeah, the, uh, your, your impersonation of Michael Caine is just unreal. Thank you. And, uh, and and honestly, like when I first heard your James Gandolfini, I said this guy has to play a young James Gandolfini in in a in a Sopranos movie. You have to because that's called Marty Scorsese. Did they finish the Betty Sense of Newark? Is it too late? Can we get Ross in there? There's there's both a very strong comedic side to Tony and a very dark side. Like who's better? Who's better than you? So John, do we just do we just use this as our transition? 
I, I think so. I think so. Uh, good call there, Mo. Let's, uh, let's let's get into another segment here. We're going to bring it home. And uh, Ross, you know, obviously, uh, as an actor in The Walking Dead, you have a huge fan base. Uh, as people have started to realize that you were the man behind the mask in Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame as playing the Red Skull. It opened up a whole new world of fandom for you as well. And of course, we saw earlier in the program all these people looking for you to reprise your role of the Red Skull in other films going forward. But before either of those two things broke big for you, uh, what you had going for you, uh, among many uh, of your other talents, is your impressionability. Uh, um, you know, there are those that say you are the true heir to Rich Little, and I don't know anyone that was looking for that title, but uh, but certainly it's something that uh, that 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 has been said about you. So what we're going to do now, if you don't mind, Mike is shaking his head. No, he's like disagree. I, I, oh my God, Ross, you're, you're such a good actor. And if you watch Rich Little, like in his early days, he actually, he was, he's a fantastic actor too, but he got so pigeonholed that all he was after that was like the man of a thousand voices. Like, and he did do those ads for the little you. Debbie snack cakes as That's well. not you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, little uh, Debbie snack cake. So listen, so we, so hopefully Ross does not get pigeonholed. We're going to move through this segment very quickly. And Ross, uh, I would advise all of the pan point blank fans, friends, viewers, and listeners. If you haven't seen it already, go hit YouTube. In addition to being an amazing actor with comedic talents and dramatic chops, Ross does have talents. We're going to see them now on the impression side. Todd, why don't you lead us off? Well, let's start off. I, I, thank you, first of all, for joining us. Thank you for doing this. I apologize in advance for us hitting you with all these. But let's start us. Mo just, Mo just touched on this one. Let's start off with John C. Riley, incredulous that he did not get the part of Thanos. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you're saying that just because I play the stepbrothers and, and walk hard, that I can't play a dramatic role? Listen. Did you not see Chicago? Did you not see Magnolia? Those are, I, I was amazing in those films. I'm a really good dramatic actor. I can be a dramatic actor if I want to. I feel like you guys need to give me the shot, okay? In fact, I played Wreck-It Ralph. I'm going to wreck it. Who, who wrecked it better than Thanos? Me. That's, that's the thing I can do. I should do Thanos, man. Come on. God. All right. Bobcat Goldweight, Bobcat Goldweight pitching for a role, any role on The Walking Dead. Um, I, I don't really, by the way, Bobcat does not actually talk like this, but I, I do like Bobcat from the actual 80s when he. Right, the, the character, yeah. Um, I really feel that I can play a really good um, zombie. I mean, like, I'd be like, you know, you don't have a lot of erratic moving zombies on there. I feel like I'd play a really good, like, crazy zombie. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Right, next up, we got Michael Kane having trouble with his Zoom video conference. Oh, <laughs> so now do you press the mute button? No, I don't really know. So how do you do the green screen? I'm trying to do the green screen here because I've learned that you could do different background for you, and I'd like to do that. But I can't. You know, why do we? Why do we zoom, Master Wayne? So we can learn 
to socialize. <laughs> oh my God. All right. How about our boy Al Pacino? All right. Answering a question from a red carpet reporter on what his favorite Star Wars movie is. Favorite Star Wars movie. Uh, if I had to dig down deep into my subconscious and go down deep, my favorite Star Wars movie of all time, none of them. I hated all of them. Hot garbage. All hot garbage. That's what I think. Okay. Hot take from Al. Hot take. I don't know. I don't know. Probably after it, yeah. We've got John Malkovich. John, John Malkovich reading to replace Hugo Weaving in the role of the Red Skull for Avengers Infinity War. Um, I'm amazed and a bit perplexed as to why I was not contacted for the role of Red Skull. Everybody knows that I'm a master of accents. Did no one see me in Rounders where I played a perfect Russian? Remember with Matt Damon? Pay this man his money. Does no one remember that role? I should have played Red Skull. Fucking great. Teddy KGB, of course, what he's referencing there. Let's hear from our boy Christopher Walken in a real fanboy argument defending the DC Cinematic Universe over the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, oh dear God, this is going to be tough. Oh, God. <laughs> Guys, everyone wants the shit on Justice League for good reason. <laughs> Let us not forget Wonder Woman, Doom Patrol, Batman. Yeah, listen, everyone wants to say how great the MCU is, but listen, DC first came out with the Batman. Remember what I did in Batman Returns? It was beautiful. It was almost as good as when I played Zoran in with the best Bond song of all time, played by Duran Duran <laughs> and the amazing Grace Jones, my favorite. My God, DC all the way. Yeah. It makes a compelling argument. I have to go and watch all the DC movies again now. It makes you feel that way. Go ahead, Toddy. All right, we got Jason Statham. Upon hearing that John and Mike have never seen any of the Fast and Furious movies. Oh, my God, Mike. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You two, consider yourselves movie buffs. And you've never seen some of the best franchise of all time. Let me tell you something. If you like The Rock, Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, and myself, you need to watch these movies ASAP. And if you don't, we are dead to me, aren't you? <laughs> oh, I can't breathe. Oh, my God. All right. Let's talk about our boy, the dearly departed James Gandolfini, okay? Uh, Here's the scenario. Right. His best friend has just replaced a Rams tattoo, a Los Angeles Rams football team tattoo, with one of Lady Gaga instead. <laughs> Don't ask questions. Just go with it. 
What's the matter with you? You like the Lady Gaga? What do you, you like the the freaking uh, what is this the, the 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 Shallows movie so much? You gotta get a Lady Gaga tattoo. Cause I'm like, what's the matter with you? Everybody knows it. Everyone was touring their best in that movie, but the movie sucked. Okay. All right, let me tell you something. The Rams, they were the best football team of all time. Everybody knows it. They're going to come back in a big way. Forget the Broncos, forget the Seahawks, the L.A. Rams, baby, out of the way. You got to get that thing covered up. I don't want to ever see you in my fucking house again. Get <laughs> <laughs> off your arm. <laughs> right, I'm going to give you another one. Harrison, Harrison Ford is being asked by his agent, to play Superman's dad Jor-El in a Man of Steel reboot. What does Harrison Ford have to say to that offer? Oh, wait a minute. What, what you're saying is that I'm going to be playing uh, the father of Superman like some old desiccated old man. I I already played Han. I got to play nothing but old men wait, waiting to see their son kill them in, inevitably. I want to tell you something. I may be 75, but I'm just as virile as I was 40 years ago. <laughs> I can't play a virile young man. I'll break your nose. I'll tell you something. I'm just, come on. I will fight with a one armed man. You watch. <laughs> that was fucking beautiful. Oh my God. Good right, for it. Call back to John Malkovich. Oh, now being informed that he lost the role of Red Skull to Ross Marquand. Um, first of all, I have no earthly idea who that person is. I've never heard of this man. Who is is he even an is that is that a made up name? I feel like you just typed a Google name, a fake Google name search, and that's what came up. I never heard of this man. Pay that man his money, but also give me the role because I should be playing. Let's go. <laughs> All right. We got a couple left here. Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. On hearing the good news that they just greenlit Demolition Man 2. Hey, listen, I mean, like, everybody knows that was my favorite movie. I mean, like, I got to work with Sandra Bullock. I got to work with Wesley Snipes, who's my, my, my dear friend, you know. I mean, like, listen, I mean, like, I had a great time working on that movie. I would work on that movie in a heartbeat, you know. I mean, like, I feel like that movie is more relevant today than ever. We can bring back Armand Asante. I don't know what he's up to, but I'm sure he'd be down, you know. I mean, like. Hey, I'm down. Let's do it. You know what I mean? I feel like it would tie in nice to Doom Patrol because there's some parallels there, too. You know what I mean? Let's do it. <laughs> okay, we hit him before. Gary Busey. Now, this is relevant to these days. Like, let's get Gary Busey providing some helpful tips to stay safe during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> I got to think of an actor. All right. It's all about PPE. Personal space, everyone. Okay, that's what PPE means. You got to keep the personal space. The P comes from the second letter of space. I realize that, but you have to keep personal space six feet off time, and you will be fine. If you don't do that, you will not be fine. And that's what we got to practice. That you know what I mean? Oh, okay. All right. I think we got three left. We're almost there. All right. We got Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. 
responding to his agent, asking him to appear on some obscure podcast about comics, movies, and beer. Uh, you know what I'd, uh, I feel like I've done everything I'd like to in my professional career. I've done the, the comedies, I've done the horror, of course, The Shining, best horror film of all time. <laughs> but what I really want to do, what I keep hearing about from all the kids is podcasts. <laughs> I've heard about this little thing called, uh, what is it, Point Blank? <laughs> Do a little dance, drink a little beer, get drunk tonight. I love it. Okay, great. All right, let's keep let's keep the point blank love going. We've got Liam Neeson oh. pulled in to record a few promo hits for the point blank podcast, but he can't quite get it right. Okay. I don't know who this podcast is. I don't know what it's about. <laughs> but if you let me drink your beer. I will find you. <laughs> I will type in your URL. <laughs> All right, we're going to uh, we're going to throw it back to our top three subject tonight, Mr. Matthew McConaughey. All right, uh, <laughs> and in this case, he's going to give a preview, a review, I should say, oh, of okay. a nice cold glass of Navasink IPA from Ross Brewing, Matthew McConaughey. So, uh, so here's the thing about this Navasink IPA. It's cool, man. It's all right. It's got a perfect blend of hops and spices, and they got the right amount of malt in there. Malt's important for a beer, of course, as we all know. And then uh, it's, it's, it's the brewing process, right? Because everyone wants to think about the time that it takes to, to brew something, and they, they say it takes too long. But I say this, time is a flat circle, so you just got to go around and around that little, little vat of beer right there. You got to just let it perfect percolating there like you would a, a nice steaming pot of coffee and let that thing do its thing and then you're all right you're going to, you'll be all right all right all right <laughs> Todd, wrap it up last one we've got a request from the lovely suzanne this is john kokoza's wife the lovely suzanne who hey. coincidentally texted me during this segment asking or saying brilliant is he single this is Antonio Banderas asking Suzanne if she can come out on a date with him. I don't know. And Suzanne, I, this is maybe problematic because John is sitting right there. But I have not. Uh, have you seen Passing Boots? Because this was my favorite movie. I worked on this so hard. I actually studied a cat for two years before I worked on this movie. And I think that if I may, I would like to take you out on a date and tell you about my process to becoming uh, the Passing Boots. If you would like to go on a date with me, we'll make some pasta and uh, talk about Passing Boots. What do you think? Huh? I think she would be down for that. Ross, thank you very much. Oh, yeah. an amazingly talented Ross Marquand. He's a great, great sport. And uh, uh, Good, thank you. To, to rip through all those very uh, point blank centric and for our audience, all the interests that we share each and every week on Wednesday nights uh, and all these various staple of Hollywood characters. Uh, we're able to do that. All right, here's our last segment before we close it out. We're going to do older or younger. Older or younger. One fifty-second of the world's population have a birthday each week. That's um, 
Uh, that's a percentage I'm not going to be able to calculate three beers in, but it's, it's a good amount. Okay. And so this week, for example, uh, many, many people had birthdays and some of them, some of them were celebrities. So we're going to say right now, these celebrities had a birthday this week and all you have to do, it's very, very simple game, folks, is older or younger. We're going to tally up the points at the end. If there's a tie, there will be a tiebreaker. However, we should note now. There are no prizes. Okay, coming up, Stevie Wonder has a birthday this week. Stevie Wonder, in fact, his birthday is today. Is Stevie Wonder older or younger today than 72? Older. I've got Ross came in at older. Younger. Got Mike at younger. He's very defiant. Uh, I got to go older than 72. Being it older. I just called to say he's older. <laughs> oh, nice, Mo. Todd, it's up to you. Mo's doing wheatgrass shots. Did you see that? <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. <sighs> I had, I in my head, I had 71. I'm, I've got to go younger. Okay. Stevie Wonder today turned 70 years old. Oh. So, so Mike and Todd got that one right. All right, we're going to move on to somebody. Uh, no matter what her age, she is fine as Frank. And we're talking about Janet Jackson. Is Janet Jackson, she of the Rhythm Nation, older or younger than 56 this week? 56. Oh, son of a bitch. I literally, in my head, said 56. I'm pretty good, yeah. God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, say older. Okay, I got I got Ross at older. Okay, I'm going younger again. Okay, so so far it's starting off exactly like last round. Wait, yeah, Ross at older, Michael at younger. Uh, Mo, in case you missed it, that was Janet Jackson, older or younger than fifty six. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, Mo. Mo's nasty. Google says she's younger, so I'm gonna go with that. Who says that? Google. I'm <laughs> a bitch. Come on! Don't you? He did, he did a All quick right. bing on that one. I got, I got a Todd and a Ming. Yeah, I, I think the Rhythm Nation's younger for sure. You think so? Okay. All right. And Todd, it's up to you. I'll go older. Okay, so we have Todd older, Ross older, Ming younger, Mike younger, Mo younger, Janet Jackson turns this week fifty-four years old. She's actually younger. What? Yeah. Let's talk Batman, folks. And I'm talking Robert Pattinson. <laughs> and we're not talking Batman. That sparkly little special sprite is older or younger on his birthday this week than 35. 35. Older or younger than 35. Oh. Nah, he's younger than 35. I think he's older. <laughs> the battle lines are drawn clearly, folks. Older. You're going with Ming. Okay, so I've got Ming younger, Ross older, Mo younger. I think he's 36 or 37. I think he's close he's close to my age. We got Mike and Todd. Todd says 36, so that would be older than 35. And Mike, it's up to you to bring it up. We got so recapping Ming younger, Mike older, Mo younger, Todd older, Ross older. Robert Pattinson is playing Batman at the ripe old age of 34. Fuck! <laughs> that means he's been filming at age 33. A little weird, but that's all right. All right. 
This is one funny lady. Nobody can deny that. Is Tina Fey this week turning older or younger than 52? 52. I'm going to say younger. I think she's younger than 52 as well. Yeah. Okay. She's exactly 52. Yeah, I'm going younger. That's not a guess. All right. Mike said younger. I need Mo and Todd. He said younger. Todd said younger. Younger. So Mo, Mo, it's up to you. Mo, I'll go against everybody. We'll go older. Okay. Yeah, I agree with Mo. But so I've got Ming younger, Mike younger, Mo older, Todd younger, Ross younger. Tina Fey, this week, the big 5 is turning 50. Everyone gets a right answer there except my main man, Momo. Okay. Fuck We're going to move on to one of the richest humans alive, and it happens to be our boy Todd's boss. We're talking about Zuck, Mark Zuckerberg. Todd, if you need to abstain because uh, you had to send him a birthday card, I understand. But is Zuck older or younger than 35? 35. He's a billionaire, folks. I'm going to put 36, so I'm going to say older. You have him at 36. Okay, so Mo is that older. He's the first one on the board. I'm going to say two. Ross, older. Yeah, I believe he's slightly older as well. I had that. But this, since Mo said it, I'm questioning it. There's a 90% chance it's wrong. Oh, shit. But I'll go older. I'll stick with my gut. All right. And Mike, it's up younger. to you. Damn it. I, I want to break away from the pack, but I'm going to go older, too. Guys, isn't it so great when you can all get on the same page and make the same vote? And make the same mistake. Unfortunately, in a case like this, you're all right. And he is older. He's 36. He's turning 36 this week. Okay. Let's talk about everybody's second favorite Egyptian-American, Rami Malek. <laughs> Mo, your cousin this week, he of an Emmy Award and an Oscar, is turning older or younger than 37. Keep in mind, he will be the villain. In the next Bond film, older or younger than 37. This guy played Freddie Mercury, of course, Mr. Robot. Uh, he, he appeared in two episodes of 24. He got blown up. So um, 37 years old, older or younger? Younger. Younger. I've got Ross younger. I've got Mike younger. He is younger than 37. I've got Ming younger. I'm going with the guys and going younger. Mo younger. And Todd says 35 younger. Jesus, guy, I, I I usually have a knack for uh for for, for getting you guys to split it two three almost every week, but here it's just two in a row that you went five for five. In this case, however, since he turned thirty nine, oh. you're all wrong. Damn, cuz old robot. What a lot of people don't know about Emilio Estevez is that he was born and lived the first few years of his life on Staten Island. That's true. He also came up on Point Blank just a few weeks ago during uh, some combat trivia related to the Mission Impossible and Young Guns franchises. You know, but he's also he, Charlie Sheen's brother. No shit. <laughs> little, known, little known fact. But is Emilio Estevez this week turning older or younger than 56? 56. Oh, Son older. of uh, beeswax. Todd's got a younger. Ross has got an older. Has yeah. to be. I think he's older as well. He is older. Okay. Yeah. Ming and Mike rattled off olders. Mo, older or younger than 56 for my main man, Emilio? Younger. 
Yeah, because okay. Breakfast Club was what, 84, 85? I mean, that Oh, he's bringing math into it. Yeah, it was 84. Uh, hold on, that's it, guys, guys, guys. So that's, you're talking uh, 85 is 35 years ago, which he's means got- he would have been 20 playing a high schooler. Not abnormal, not abnormal. But was oh. he older than that? We're about to find out. I've got Ming at older, Mike at older, Mo at younger, Todd at younger, Ross, the tiebreaker at older. Emilio Estevez turns 57. So that's the correct answer for Ming, Mike, and Ross. Okay. Tony Soprano made an appearance earlier on the show. His daughter, Meadow, she couldn't park for the life of her. Is Jamie Lynn Steigler turning older or younger than 41 this week? 41 for Jamie Lynn. Younger. Okay, Ross first on the board with a younger vote. Younger. Mike Echoes. Uh, I'll concur. He's younger than 41. Okay. I got to make up some ground, so I'll go older. I thought she was 42, to be honest. Well, then just that, that's good. And what is younger? But I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, yeah, I'll go. I'll go younger. Mo's probably got this one, but I'll go younger. All right. So we've got younger, younger, older for Mo, younger, younger. Jamie Lynn is turning thirty-nine tomorrow. Yeah. So that is correct for everybody except the Momo. All right. And here's our final question. Whoa, Mo, what do you got going on there? What's happening right now, man? Right after the uh, podcast, man. Is the sun down? Cheers. Stop by for the party, man. He's opening up an underground rave. (laughs) Gonna get over to Playa Vista there. All right. (laughs) This guy has been in a million movies. And uh, even as part of the DC TV universe, um, he's one bad mofo. I'm talking about Danny Trejo. Oh, is Danny Trejo older or younger than 75 years old? 75. Younger. I'm gonna say younger. I said Mike on the board, younger. Ross on the board, a younger. Yeah, he's gonna be younger than 75. Who's in the DC universe? Uh, on the Flash, you know, the Berlanti verse that appears on CW. Uh, he plays a character called Breacher, who is the father of another character called Gypsy, who is a member of the Justice League. And he can breach between universe and multiverse parallel Earths. So you literally made half of that up. <laughs> Two thirds of it. Oh, but anyway. He could have made half of that up. He be him in his 50s. So I'm, I'm way younger. Okay. And okay. also way off. You're going to be way off. That's for sure. So really, we need Mo. Mo, where are you, Mo? Mo says older. <laughs> Mo, we've got chewing on a side of beef right now. Danny Trejo, older or younger than seventy-five? Oh, definitely older. Oh, you fucked with me, man. <laughs> well, Danny Trejo does celebrate a birthday this week, and he's going to be turning a mere seventy-six. Mo is the only one that got it right. Oh. And that shows you just how good you in shape you can stay if you have a machete. Danny Trejo is 76 years old. Let's tally it up. Ming, one, two, three, four. We're going to tally it up right now. By the way, just speaking of, have you guys heard Ross Marquand's Danny Trejo impersonation? It's fucking I have killer. not. 
I don't think I. One, two, three, four. It's killer. One, two, three, four. Oh, he's frozen again. What happened? Shit. <laughs> All right, guys. I want to give it up to Mo, Todd, and Ross. You each tallied four correct. Well done. But it is AMC's comic book men, Ming and Mike, who each registered six points. Tiebreakers go out the window when it comes to these two bad boys for life. And it is a dual win tonight. Wow. All right. All right, man. Very nice. Great job. Great job. All right. Real quick, uh, uh, we're going to get to just two mail calls. That's it. Um, we, uh, As you know, fans, if you want to send mail in, it can go to point blank at rossbrewing.com, point blank at rossbrewing.com. Give us comments, give us feedback, and most of all, what you usually do is give us criticisms. So here, last week, we did a topic called Top 3 Frat Pack Movies. And we got a very, very irate email from uh, Robert DeLuca of Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. And Robert said, how can you guys not have Caddyshack Animal House and Ghostbusters in your top three frat pack movies. Uh, I don't, I don't. <laughs> so Rob, I mean, listen, thematically, you know, spiritually, I think those movies certainly were precursors to what the frat pack was all about. But I think we had a pretty specific definition of frat pack. Mike, what do you think? I think that uh, Bay Ridge should be bombed back to the Stone Age. I mean, for God's sakes, if that's the kind of mentality that's coming out of that stink hole, Ouch. then what the hell? And Wait, now- are, are we not going off of like Danny Kay, Sammy Davis Jr. frat pack? What are we, what are we talking about here? No, not- that, that's original Rat Pack. So yeah, Frat right. Pack, we're talking yeah, about the Wilson Brothers, you know, Will Ferrell, Ben uh-huh. Stiller, you know, all that kind of early 2000s comedies, the Frat Pack. Sorry, I'm sorry. Well, no, listen, that's okay, man. I'm sure you can do you need at least you need at least two Wilsons or a Will Farrell or Ben Stiller. Yeah, you gotta have a couple of the core elements in there, and those movies don't fall. But What's never that? Owen Wilson. Never Owen oh, Mike, Mike, oh, Mike Mike is gonna cut Owen Wilson next time he sees oh, him. Um, like Wedding Crashers, I was so good in that. Wow. Don't don't do it, Ross. Don't do it. Oh man, so good. Such a good movie. Ross, I'll I'll bring you up to speed real quick to what you missed last week. Uh, Uh, There was once there was a convention out in California. Mike and Owen were in the bathroom together, and Owen did that thing that you're not supposed to do. He peeked over at Mike in the urinal, and Mike has never forgiven. Hell. Personal space. I think Personal he started space. the COVID nineteen. That's was it? Was it? Was it just more of a lingering? Or was it like like an accidental like glance? No, no. It was a, it was a hard stare. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, if you had heat vision, I would have crispy bacon down there. Um, well, listen. I, I'm I'm sure there was a hard stare for a reason. Okay, so that's Can you good. Blame him. Can you blame him? All right, so, we got we got we got another email. This is from Cheryl Vitali of Manalpa, New Jersey. Cheryl Vitali. She said, I know John, and this is the email I've been alluding to, by the way. She goes, I know John is married to the lovely Suzanne. He talks about her all the time. He goes, she says, however, we have, as far as she can reckon, Todd, you can correct her here if you want. She said, Henry Cavill, Chris Pine, James Marsden, Jason Bateman, and now we have to add John Corbett to the list of John's man crushes. 
is there something John's not telling us? So um, I, 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 I actually going to defer on this one. I'll let you guys take that. Wait, wait, repeat those again. She said Henry Cavill, Chris Pine, James Marsden, Jason Bateman. And she said, and now she must be talking about two weeks ago when we talked about Northern exposure. She's like, and now we have to ask John. I, I miss Chris Pine. I mean, I'll, I'll 100% join you on that front. I mean, Chris Pine is a, is a thing of beauty. But I don't remember you talking about him. Um, I, I, I'm actually thunderstruck at the idea of Chris Pine. Um, when we signed him as our latest model for the Armani uh, uh, Code franchise for our Armani fragrances, I was very excited the idea of meeting him at the sales meeting this year, which was canceled That's due to COVID. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for that, uh, you know, whoever. But um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I I can't answer her question. She thinks, is there something I'm not saying? I think I'm pretty open about this. Yeah, I, you I'm, you stated it pretty overtly. And she missed Fred Savage. You had a little bit of love for Fred I, Savage. I, I, it was a I little bit off the board. Cute kid in the in, in the Princess Bride. That's not. I'm not into that kind of thing. John, I mean, there's nothing can be said from the love that you feel at a young age. Those are real feelings, and you know, if Fred Savage sparked them, it's there's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, <laughs> it would just be weird. But then again, if I was a little kid too, then it wouldn't be weird, right? Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Your, your two biggest sports crushes are, are Clyde Drexler and Will Clark, and they didn't make the list. I'm shocked. Just yes, Will the Thrill and Clyde the Glide. Uh, my my childhood would not have been the same without their constantly losing at the moment of victory. So, uh, so yes, I did have a crush, but it was a different kind of crush. Uh, it was more about their, their, their. It was more physical as well yeah. for their impeccable physiques. Now hold on, I don't know if you guys can hear this. Do you guys hear any sort of jazz music? It's John Ross, the intern. Wow. George Washington's own. Is that the theme to Rogue Band? Okay, and that is uh, our new segment, uh, Songs Without Context. So I don't know what just happened there. I could already know. But he's a talented individual. Yes, he has made a selection that is committed to George Washington University's Elliott School of International Affairs, where apparently some unlucky roommate is going to be subject to uh, whatever that instrument was at all odd hours of the night. Actually, Ming, uh, yeah. our, our guests Ross and John uh, uh, were able to meet back at the Ross Brewing launch party, but they even met earlier than that, maybe two years ago at the Walker Stalker Con. If you've got any sort of arc, three years ago. Any archival footage there, Ming? Uh, go ahead and, uh, and and pull that up. Look at that, Ross. Ross was facing Lincoln Hawk in a in a arm wrestling match, and uh, um, Mo never heard of it, but uh, certainly good times there. I still have that. Uh, that's proven by uh, your third present. And Ming, go ahead and bring us maybe a little bit closer to the present uh, at some of the some of the pictures. We were very honored. Uh, very, very humbled that Ross traveled across the country. Here he is with Ming and Mike as uh, as their celebrity beer tender at the Ross Spring launch party back in December. Uh, you know, we're, we're very happy to say sales are going strong. Here he is with Todd and I. I think this is from the night before the party, right, Todd? That's right. All right, yeah. Yeah. We were at the beer trip for the party the next day. 
I, th- I think we were, we said, Ross, come down for a drink. And uh, we wound up closing the place out, but that's always fun. And um, oh, there he is with, with, with John Jr. Probably at that point having no clue about his amazing musical talent. Uh, <laughs> oh, here's the whole crew here. Okay, we got uh, we got Jimmy, Ross, myself, uh, my father, Mike, John Jr., Todd, we're there. Uh, so, yeah, good time had by all at the amazing death of uh, Ross. You look very demure here. That's what I would have to say. Uh, anything you want to share here? Yeah, he's like, can I be your next man crush? <laughs> Actually, that would be my answer to Cheryl Vitale of Manalapan, New Jersey. No list of yours, Cheryl, is complete without putting Ross at the top of that list. Booyah. All right, folks, it's been a great episode. Uh, we're going to go around the horn real quick. It's your parting shot. Anything you want to get off your chest, anything you want to promote, anything you want to talk about, 30 seconds or less, hit it. We're going to start with the Disco Master himself, Mighty Mo. Go for it. It was a fantastic uh, podcast tonight. Uh, Ross, great, great meeting you. Um, you too. I'll see you again. And uh, oh, get to go to your disco party at some point. Absolutely, man. Doors always open, <laughs> and uh, I'll uh, I'll be in Vegas uh, podcasting with you guys next week. Awesome! Can't wait. We look forward to it. travel safe. Mike, your parting shot, gentlemen. Fifty episodes. What can I say? That's pretty damn impressive. You guys are the best, Ross. Hey, I love you, man. You are the best. And thoughts and prayers going out to Geo Setti. I hope you're safe wherever he is. Wherever you are, if you can hear our voice, reach out, buddy. Please, we're worried about you. Yeah. Todd, your parting shot. I just got to say, we just showed some pictures of it, Ross. I, I got to thank you for coming on, man. From the moment I met you, you came out the night before we were supposed to come to the uh, to the Ross Brewing launch party. You came and hung out with us a couple, for a couple of hours. You were straight off a plane. You were completely wiped. You wanted nothing more than to go to bed in that hotel. And... Instead, you hung for about four hours with uh, with me and John at the bar. You're yeah. you're you're an absolute mensch. I fucking love you. Thanks for coming on tonight. And uh, yeah, I mean, shout out to George Setti. Hopefully, he's all right. But thank you guys. We had a blast tonight. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, Ming. Your parting shot. Uh, if you want to have as much fun as we did tonight, go to asharedunivers.com, book up a podcast. Uh, we'll show you how to do it. Or me and Mike will jump on on your podcast. Also, if you want a more personal one-on-one with me and Ross Marquand, jump on our cameos. Yeah. Grab the Cameo app. Why not? Download Cameo, and uh, Cameo. you uh, you can book uh, a Cameo from me or Ross. And uh, you know we'll uh, we'll we'll do birthday greetings. We'll uh, come on Cameo too, Ming. So yeah, oh, I promoted, but yeah, I think I hey, if you want something from me. We'll launch a corporate event. Um, you know, what, whatever you want. Book us. Mo up. Yousef on there for $1. $1 gets you a message from Mo. I've got $50 worth of Mo Yousef. I love it. I love it. I'm PayPaling right now, Mo. Ross, Man, can you can you quickly pull up Chris Christopher Hewitt? Is that possible? Yeah, in the comments. Uh, what Christopher Hewitt have to say? You would drink with you? <laughs> I would drink with you guys, man. I, th- I, I think Christopher sure. might be a few drinks in already. He's getting his drink on. Let's throw it to our esteemed guest, Ross Marquand, who joined us for this, our 50th episode. Ross, your parting shot. 
you know, no one thought that you guys would make it 50 years. No one thought that the Super Bowl would make it 50 years. Peyton Manning, I say, I say Peyton Manning in the same, you know, world as point blank. It's the same, same thing. You know, you guys are the Peyton Mannings of the, of the podcast. I've always said that everyone knows I've always said that. So thank you for having me on. And I love you guys. And, and I'm glad that you're all doing well. And thank uh, you. Thank you for making me smile. I think you just said that we all have five heads instead of four heads, but that's okay. Um, As uh, the great master Peyton Manning does. My party shot very, very briefly. I just want to just mention, this is my third uh, beer of the night. I didn't mention it before. It's from our friends at Virginia Beer Company. This was another beer mail that came last week. Our buddy Robbie Willie, who's actually the owner over at Virginia Beer, sent us an amazing package. This one's called Elbow Patches. It's their oatmeal stout at 6.2. Uh, everything you want from an oatmeal stout, okay? It's thick. It's uh, um, you know, hate to use a word that sounds as pretentious as, but it's chewy. It's it's nutty. It's a very very good thing. Thick, great oh. mouthfeel, but most importantly, great flavor. Uh, what I really want to do with my party show, however, is thank our guest Ross Marquand. Thank you. This is a man who, um, you know, Todd. You started talking about it. Uh, it can't, can't say enough how how good he is. Uh, you know, Ming uh, brought John Jr. and I over to him uh, years ago. I thought it was two. It was actually three years ago. He's right. Uh, and uh, and he just uh, was very warm and welcoming to us. Uh, we've stayed in contact since then. He flew all the way out to New York for our grand opening. And I have to say he blessed us with a ton of luck because we're doing better than ever. We just, we just placed our biggest order yet. One of us, one of our customers just placed a 20 case order for Ross brewing. And, um, and uh, and the momentum is growing, and I think it's because Ross, uh, along with Ming and Mike, of course, you know, kicked us off to such a great start. So Ross, I reached out to you. I think it was just a couple of weeks ago, and said, "Hey, you know, we always would have loved to have you in our studio. The amazing." a shared universe studio that Ming and Mike have built. But given the quarantine, maybe maybe this might be the time to get you on the podcast. And you were able to to, to, to clear your calendar completely yeah. and, 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 and come right on. So we really, really appreciate that. And the last thing I want to say for this, our 50th episode, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of the Point Blank friends, fans, viewers, and listeners. Uh, we've, we've been building an even bigger audience than ever before during this quarantine. We really, really appreciate our loyal viewers. Uh, you're here week in and week out. Why? I couldn't tell you, but we really, really appreciate it. Uh, and for those new fans that have tuned in tonight, and uh, uh, if you like what you've seen, all of our episodes are available for download or streaming. You can go to SoundCloud. You can go to Stitcher. You can go to Apple Podcasts. You just navigate your way to the A Shared Universe podcast page. You find Point Blank. Uh, and by the way, there's a lot of other great podcasts on A Shared Universe as well. Like I Sell Comics uh, with these two guys. You may have heard of them, Ming and Mike. But anyway, I want to thank you all. Have a great, great night. Be safe, folks. Do the right thing. And Bruce... Go ahead and take us out of here. Well, it shot you point blank. You've been shot in the back.